Blog Talk Radio. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? My name is Quincy. And this is my show, the Talk to Q Radio Show. It's almost like posting a blog, except I'm doing it live.
If you decide to call in and you get the urge to voice your opinion, then after you connect, simply hit one on your dial pad. That lets me know that you're ready to speak and it places you in the host queue. And please mute your phone if you're not speaking at the time because background noise picks up easily over cell phones and headsets. Now, another way you can contribute to the show is to follow me on Twitter at TalkToQ. There is a live tweet chat that occurs during the show, and you can respond to some of the same questions that I'm asking over the air in most cases. Please search and use hashtag T2Q to read and respond to all show tweets. If you want to learn more about me, the show, or the show legends, then journey on over to TalkToQ.com. And if you can't listen to the entire show live, then you can find T2Q on iTunes and just pick up where you left off. Maintenance complete. All right. T2Q radio show number 550 starts right now. Halfway to 600. Man, it just seemed like we just did show number 500, and now we're halfway to 600. So, all right, 347-202-0215 is the number to join the Talk to Q radio show. My name is Quincy, um, and this is my show. And I want to say happy holidays, season greetings, Merry Christmas, uh, happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, however you celebrate this time of the year. I want to wish you and your family the best, okay? Um, I have some family coming in town, um, I think, starting tomorrow. So I'm not going to have a live show tomorrow. However, there will be a podcast uh, featuring two show legends, so you can check that out. Go to TalkToQ.com and check, click on the calendar to get more details on that. But that's going to air in my normal time slot at 10 p.m. Eastern. So check that out on tomorrow, December 23rd, Wednesday. Uh, I guess the first thing I will do is go to the phones, to the 850 area code, the Emerald Coastline of Pensacola, Florida, to welcome on the man in black, Buck. What's happening, man? <laughs> what, what up? How's everybody doing this evening? Season doing well, season. man. Happy Kwanzaa, Merry Christmas, all the all the, the celebrations that everybody has out there happen. Merry Christmas to everyone. Right. Try to throw it all out there because you don't know what people celebrate these days. And you got some folks that get offended if you say one thing to them and not the other or whatever. But, uh, you know, just trying to make sure everyone's included. That's all. And so everything going well on your end, man? You ready for the holidays? Done with your shopping? About ready as I'm going to be for this year. You know, just trying to round out. Uh, 2015 on a positive note, I and mean, it's been a ridiculous year to, to in some degree, but it's been a good one in others. So I uh, just want to round out 2015 good and start 2016 fresh. I hear you, man. You know, I don't get into all the New Year-type hype like some people do. You know, they say, uh, well, you know, um, I'm going to do this for this new year. I'm going to do that for New Year's. And, I don't really do that. I mean, my New Year's resolution was something I made a long time ago to set out and never make any more resolutions. But uh, <laughs> I do look forward to the calendar flipping and uh, trying to get some stuff done as I enter another year of uh, broadcasting, you know, because I'll be coming on year number uh, five. Uh, February. Uh, 
So um, that's kind of cool to kind of hit that nickel and everything and um, add that to, you know, um, add that particular show to the archives. So, you know, I kind of look forward to some things in 2016. It's a leap year. Get an extra day off in there. But uh, we'll go ahead and get to the topics, man, and get started. You know, we're discussing generation gaps. I mean, in your opinion, how many years have to pass before another generation has started? Ooh, I don't know. I guess, you know, that's a really really tough question to answer. Um, You know, know, you, you can look at it. 70, you know, four scores of seven. You know, look, look, look at 72 years. Um, uh, you could look at maybe 100 years. Um, maybe even something less than that. Oh, you know, no. it, it, well, I got to say, 100 years is like way up there. But I, get what, I get what you're saying. I mean, I guess back in the day, people well, did probably have, look at it that way. Well, you got to look at it like that, I mean, to a certain degree, because, you, you know, some families have longevity. On on their side, some don't. Um, I would think the average would probably be around that seventy, you know, seventy year range. I guess um, mm-hmm. I would think that would probably be your benchmark if you want to call it that. But I mean, you, you know, you rarely. I mean, I think you see a little bit more. I won't say rarely. I think you see a little bit more now, where you see maybe three or four generations living at the same time. It's typically three. Um, you know, you might see a the senior, the junior, and maybe the second. And, you know, you, you kind of see, you're starting to see that a little bit more on a consistent basis since people are living a little longer now. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess it varies It varies depending on, you know, depending on your family history. Okay. See, I would think, um, to me, back in the day, people used to say a generation was like 25, 30 years. Because people really didn't have kids um, as young as they do now, mm-hmm. and or if they, or maybe there was like, they were kind of spaced out or something. I, I don't know, but it's like now um, you have people that are having kids in their teens and mm-hmm. early twenties. So it's like between fifteen and twenty years almost is like a a different different generation in my opinion. It seems like it starts over pretty quickly. I mean, so why do you think right. that every 15 or 20 years um, or so people grow so far apart from understanding one another? <laughs> you just answered that, don't you? just answered that right before you asked me the question, simply because I think well, kids are having kids now. So gone are the days where you had elders, so to speak, to kind of fall back on and kind of, you know, use as a soundboard, so to speak, so they can kind of teach you the ropes. Um, kids can't keep, teach kids the ropes, if that makes sense to you. Um, when you're 15 and you're an uncle to somebody that's two or three, it, it just does you know, there ain't too much a 15-year-old can tell, you know, tell a you know, two-year-old or you having a mother that's 21 and she has a sister that's seventeen, and she has a daughter that's three. I mean, there's, they haven't learned the values of life yet fully, so you can't. What they're transferring to that three-year-old is garbage because they hadn't really kind of 
gotten out of that that stage yet, so to speak. I mean, you need to live a little bit. You know, back when we were coming up, you had time to, you know, you had good uncles and grandfathers and, and great aunts and aunts and things of that nature because we have longevity on both of our sides, you know, our family. And you had, you had somebody to learn from, you know, if your dad happened to be at work that day or maybe he was in the military or something like that, like my father was. I had, you know, had my mom and my, my grandfather, uh, my grandmother, my great aunts live right down the street from me, great uncles live right down the street from me. I had people to spring off, you know, to springboard off of. Now you're springboarding off kids playing PlayStation and, and Xbox. And, you know, all they do is sit there, you know, you know, they sit there on their cell phones or playing through video games and those kind of things. And that's all these three, five, eight, ten-year-olds are looking at. And they think that's the way it is because all the uncles and aunts live 800 miles away or 500 miles away or something like that where they can't pass on the real value to those age groups. To the youngsters in need, huh? Right. And um, I don't. I think, it's, I think it's worse now because of the reasons you mentioned. Um, just not having, you know, the type of village raising children that we once did. But let me go back to the phones to the seven three two area code, the Garden State of New Jersey, and welcome on right. What's up, man? Hey, what's up, Q Buck? How y'all doing tonight? Doing well, yes, man. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you. Happy Kwanzaa, all that good stuff. Yeah. Festival yes, for the rest of y'all. us, all that good stuff. And, Ray, let me ask you this, man. We're talking about generation gaps and how things change and how, uh, you know, some older people just don't understand young people and younger people don't understand older people. Uh, what do you think changes more with each generation? Is it fashion? Is it music? Is it values or something else? Uh, I'm probably, uh, that's a hard question. I mean, I would say probably all of the above because with music, you know, things are always constantly changing. And, you know, like, Older people don't like really music that younger people listen to, and younger people don't really like music that older people listen to. But, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I I didn't feel that way, but, I mean, sometimes when you listen to some music, it's just, 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 just ridiculous. You know what I mean? It's like they almost don't have any talent at all. Now, I'm not saying that about all because there are great entertainers, you know, drinking guys come along now that really make good music. But um, it's definitely different. Values, I think, that um, now everything is, is wide open. You know, certain things that are pretty much Bible, but people are trying to change that over time. You know, another 50 years, people going to get married to their dog, and it's going to be all right. You know what I'm saying? And, and it just goes on and on. So, I mean, I would have to say all of the above. Okay. Buck, what do you think, man? You think what changes more every generation? Fashion, music, um, values, what do you, or what do you think it is? I think we're writing the script as we go. 
and I think it's a recipe for disaster. Um, some of the things that, you know, that we're coming up with just don't make sense. Um, we're, you know, we get to the point now where we're starting to rewrite the history books just to kind of block out certain things that happen in history. Um, we're starting sure. to, you know, you know, the the good, you know, the good chemistry and things that we, you know, open doors for people, uh, you know, for women when they come to the door or vice, you know, just opening the door, period. You know, just being courteous. Um, you know, chivalry is just going down the toilet. You know, it's just nothing is, uh, you know, we're changing it as we go because we're so busy thinking we're going to offend somebody. You know, we're so fixed on trying to fix something that's not broken. If it's been working for so long, so what? We used to not worry about whether we offended anybody. Now, you know, we're worried about offending offending people. Um, I mean, there's got to be a delicate balance. I mean, it's got to be a balance somewhere. I wouldn't say delicate balance. There's a balance somewhere along the lines where, you know, we all have to reach common ground where we can get along with each other and not worry about whether, you know, whether we're offending somebody. You know, I could care less whether you got a damn rebel flag hanging outside your house or on your car or, or you know, you being gay or straight or whatever. You know, I don't care about any of that stuff. If that's what you choose to do, then that's you know that's your choice you know i'm cool you know i'm cool if you're cool but my thing is is that we can't worry about every little single solitary thing and we can't change it to try to make it better because what it's ultimately doing is making it worse okay all right let me go back to the phones to the 732 area code the garden state of new jersey Welcome on Show Legend Amanda. Hey, what's going on? Hello? Hey Q, how's it going? It's going well, how are you? Pretty good. Alright, cool, cool. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you, and thank you. What do you think um, changes more with each generation? Is it the fashion, the music, the values, or maybe something else? Hmm. Um... I I would probably say the values. I think that in general, um, that's that's kind of hard. It seems like it would be a little bit of everything, but I guess the most important thing would be the values. Um, and when you look at kids now versus when we were kids and when our parents were kids, just certain things kids do that there's just like absolutely no respect where at least if we acted up in school, we had a fear of our parents or we had a fear of getting in trouble. We might would do something small, but, you know, the majority of kids were pretty good. You had a few isolated cases, but nowadays kids are just bold and they just do something. Whatever. Yeah, so I would say that because I think that with music, you know, the music that, you know, we would say coming out now, that's... um that's garbage, which, you know, in some cases it is, but people looked at Elvis Presley's music as garbage. You know, they they preferred to, they didn't want to listen to rock and roll. They wanted to listen to, um, you know, Frank Sinatra or something. So um, I think that each generation you're always going to have that, what are these kids wearing these days, blah, blah, blah. 
that and some of it is a little a little sketchy, but you know, we could look at stuff that we wore in the eighties or the nineties and be like, What were we thinking? So I think that's just that just kinda comes with the territory, but I think the values is is the biggest thing to me. Okay. Values have definitely changed and um that's something that I think people will just argue over to the end of time, especially older people. Um, older people tend to hang on to values a little more than younger people. They just kind of evolve. And But let me ask you this, Buck. Is it harder for new schoolers to explain things to old schoolers, or is it harder for older, old schoolers to explain stuff to the new ones? Well, I think it's, you know, I don't think there's a problem with old school people telling, you know, you know, talking about new things. Um, but I think it's, you know, the new school people trying to talk to the old people, the older, you know, the old schoolers. I think that's where the disconnect is because what they think is a good thing is really not a good thing. <laughs> so they're trying to explain it like it is good to the to the old school people. And the old school people have been there, done that. So they just sit there, they listen to it, but you know, they're really not saying anything that they want to hear. So I just think that, you know, that that goes along with, you know, what I was saying earlier about the younger generation trying to raise a younger generation. And when you have too much of that going on, then, you know, there's a disconnect because you're not getting those core values that you would normally get if you are older. You know, if your uncle was 55 versus 15, it's a whole lot of learning that 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 fifty five year old has gotten gotten in his belt between fifteen and fifty five. But when you got an uncle that's fifteen, you know that you still got similac on his breath, so to speak. So you really can't tell that you know, really can't tell that other one, you know, too much of anything. So you know you can always learn learn something from anybody, regardless of the age. But you know, there's just some things that need to be taught by somebody that's you know that's older that has the experience. The know-how versus somebody this young. All right, Ray, what do you think, man? Um, you know, the generations all the time don't necessarily expect respect one another, but I mean, do you think it's easier from someone older trying to explain something to someone new, or vice versa? Yeah, I think it's easier for someone older to explain because. Older people, man, you think young people, young people are hard-headed on life, but older people just hard-headed on common sense, you know, and you try mm-hmm. to tell older people what's better, and then they get into the deal with, I didn't done this before, I didn't been down this road, I, right. you know, you know, and... You know, you gotta respect your elders and all that, which which is true to a certain extent. But certain things get better with time, and people get smarter with time. Is it like take a guy years ago, like Albert Einstein? You bring him here today, he probably wouldn't be nothing. You know what I'm saying? Compared to Dobbs and all these other guys, look what these phones and stuff doing. You know what I'm saying? But you have to be able to listen. And yeah. I think that you old or you young, you have to be able to listen to the other person and don't think you know it all and don't think the older person knows it all. You young don't think you know it all. Right. Everybody talks 
things out, and then you can kind of conclude which is better. And I think that no matter what you're talking about with with, with older people, you're never going to get them to understand exactly what you're saying because they're setting their ways. I don't care if you talk about sports or whatever. Guy, you know, oh, such and such was the greatest. So he was this, he was that. One thing I like about track and field is that clock never lies. Time been the same since the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it just it goes both ways. But I would say definitely it's easier for an older person to talk to a younger person. Amanda? Um. I think I had to agree with the with the guys what they said. I think, and I think it's it's always going to depend on the person because some people they can whether you're old or young you have the wrong attitude and you're not going to listen to somebody when they're trying to give you good advice. So I think that's that's the number one thing. But in general, I would say it's probably harder to explain to an older person to explain something um, for them to do something different that they've done for fifty years a certain way. You know, mm-hmm. can you imagine telling your your one of your parents to you know cook differently or to use this instead of using that or you know like uh, my father in law was a, a welder for years and years. If there's something new on the market now, I mean it would probably be difficult to have him convert his way of thinking. Yeah. So, you know, I think that I think it's just because with and with older people, it's not because of anything, you know, that it's not like it's something wrong. It's just that um, it's just time. You know, if you've done something a certain way for so many years, it is hard to to change it. And with younger people, um, if they're young, then there's still that time to kind of kind of mold them and show them a different way if, if they have the right attitude. It's kind of like the, the old saying goes, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. So. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I do think it's it's definitely a matter of both of them not listening to the other because, you know, young people know it all and old people have done it all. And when you have those two elements come together, it can be really difficult. But the one who listens is the one that learns. And uh, I just think it's just very difficult. But, all right, uh, 347-202-0215 is the number. On the Talk to you Radio Show. Tonight's show is brought to you by $1cookie.com. $1 Cookie is a new app made for crowdfunding purpose. Help with a dollar and get cookies in return. Visit www.1cookie.com to find out more. And my thanks to them for being a sponsor of tonight's Talk to Q Radio Show. No experts, just opinions. All right, so... But for those born before 1990, if you could get those born 20 years after you to watch a movie from your era, what what movie would you choose? Or if you have multiple movies. So in other words, anyone born after 1990, um, if you had to get them to sit down and watch one, two, or three movies, what movies would you choose? Ooh. Since it's, since it's the Christmas season, I would say the first Die Hard because I think it was a cult classic. Um, just something about Bruce Willis throwing that fool off, the, off that building. It just kind of makes it, you know, it makes it a cult classic. You know, just 
this it was something at that particular time that was unique and different and uh, something that you, you know that you just hadn't seen before up until that point. Um, one other movie I would probably um, another one of my my personal favorites would be New Jack City. Um, I would see if they would want to sit down and see something like that as well because New Jack City. Um, I look at it for the entertainment value, not you know, necessarily the content. But there were so many people in that particular movie that actually got there, got a really that was a really good kick in the pants for them and made them you know be successful um, after that movie. Um, over half of that cast um, went on to do great things from that particular movie. So those would be my two that I would want them to sit down and watch. Okay. And, Ray, what about you, man? If you had to get someone born after 1990 to sit down and watch a movie, what movie do you think would be important enough for them to see? Something that represents well, your generation. Something that happened before 1990. Something. Does the movie have to be before 1990? Yeah, yeah. Something from your generation. Oh, man. Um... I probably I probably would would let them see Crush Groove. Okay. Yeah. I I probably would um let them see one of my personal favorites was uh well I would take I'm gonna take it this way. (laughs) Nah, I probably say uh Roots because it's a it's a serious movie. Okay, and then okay. I probably would, would would do for a fun movie that was that's real. I would let them see Eddie Murphy's Raw and Delirious. The stand up nice. ain't really been done the same since then. So that's I a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one right there. I didn't even think about that. And Amanda, what about you? I'm sitting here struggling because I don't know. You know, I'm old school, so I'm trying to think of stuff that I probably should have seen <laughs> from my generation. That I have it. Um, oh, the movie had to come out prior to 1990. Mm-hmm. One movie that one movie that I thought about, but the thing is, it's not set in my generation. It came out in 1989, That's but cool. it's set. Okay, there's a movie called Lonesome Dove with uh, Robert Duvall and Tommy Lee Jones. It's a it's a classic western that I think is like one of the best epic tales of that time period as far as, like, the Cowboys, not not the Dallas Cowboys, of course, but, like, the <laughs> <laughs> cattlemen, you know, taking, uh, you know, cows up to, like, Montana and just that time period, like, after the Civil War and the That's Western Frontier. That was a TV and, show, too, wasn't it? Um, They did make it into a series, but that movie, okay. if you ever sit down and watch it, it's, like, six hours long, but it's, like, Oh, it's like Roots. It's kind of it's one of those epic. It's just a really really good movie, and it's one of the probably the best tales of friendship that you'll ever see, ever. Like I, I can't think of a better a better movie uh, that like defines a true friendship more than that movie. So that's okay. one movie that I could think of. Um, I, I might have to see if I can think of something else by final thoughts as far as uh, in my time period that will represent my generation. All right, that's cool. That's cool. That's different. It makes me want to go check that movie out. And, that uh, is a good movie. 
if I had to do, I, I have three movies that come to mind. Um, the first one, even though I did not see it until I was in college, um, it came out in the 70s. Just like if I, I would want people to see, young people to see how black people kind of thrived even before I was old enough to understand. So I would go with Foxy Brown. I, I would go with Foxy Brown, uh, Pam Greer. What's that? 1974, I believe. I was, what, mm-hmm. two years old when that movie came out, going on three. Um, I would go with that just to show them black people back in the 70s, how they used to party, the music, the fashion, and all of that. Then my other two movies would be from 1989, but they do take place in different eras. The first one would be uh, Do the Right Thing. Do the Right Thing, I think, will really give people a look at police brutality and let them know it's not something that just started, that it's been around for a long time. Um, So it gives them some perspective of that. And then um, just, you know, Big City, New York, and how things went on there. And my other movie... Even though it's from 1989, it takes place place back in the 30s, I believe. Um, that would be Harlem Nights, just so they can see three of the great greatest comedians of all time, you know, on stage together, um, and give them some perspective on Richard Pryor, Red Fox, and Eddie Murphy back when black comedy was probably at its greatest. Because Eddie was riding high, he killed it with raw and delirious and all of that. And it plus gives them a look at, you know, just um, it's kind of like a period piece from back in the, the 30s or whatever. So those would be my three. Foxy Brown, Do the Right Thing, Harlem Nights. Um, but, all right, so now let's, let's, let's focus on music. And, Buck, I go back to you. If there are three songs or three artists or three CDs prior to 1990 for you to let someone listen to, what would they be? I'm going to go with three artists. Um, because I think during this particular time, I think they were they were all good. But the first one, probably gonna shock you a little bit, but I'm gonna go with Howard Hewitt and Shalomar because they, you hmm. know, at first they were dancing on Solid Gold and I mean not Solid Gold, uh, Soul Train. And um, the cool thing about it was, I mean, you know, they got noticed on the show dancing. And they had more talent than what people really realize. And then, you know, he's gone on. You know, they started out with Shalomar, then he went went solo. And now, he's, you know, he's doing, I think he's in uh, gospel now. But, uh, great, you know, great story on how they got started. And I would that would be my first artist. Um, the second one would probably be Marvin Gaye, because Marvin Gaye is my, one of my favorites. Good one. Um, and... Um, the third one would be I would I would go with a country group, the Judge. And the reason why the Judge because, you know, the mother was I think the mother ended up having some sort of cancer or something and had to stop singing. So her daughter ended up continuing it. So, um I like the story of the Judge as well. So those would be my three artists that I would go with. Okay. Okay. That's pretty good. And um Kimmy Bernard out of Memphis chimed in about the movies, and she said that she would go with Breaking. With Breaking was a pretty good movie when Breakdancing was big, and she would also go with Colors. Colors would be another good movie. Also talks about 
black people and their relation to cops. So that's pretty good. And Ray, what what three songs or artists or, or albums would you recommend to someone born after 1990 to really get into the groove of what your generation experienced? Well, first I have to start it with uh, Run DMC because they was really the first big rap group that really set it off and introduced rap to America. I mean, you had other guys before that, but a song here, a song there, but Run DMC took it to another level. And not only did they rap, but they set trends. Like we was wearing shoes with no strings and, you know, thick shoelaces and shell tour Adidas and wearing Godfather hats and wearing, you know, Adidas sweatsuits. I mean, they just set that time period that... Yeah. You know, where everybody wanted to be like a rapper. Because before then, it was Michael Jackson that people wanted to be like. But when Run DMC came out, it switched from R&B to hip-hop. And I would say Run DMC, of course, Public Enemy, because Public Enemy had some real powerful songs, and they had a message. But, I mean, the, the music was just banging. I mean, Public Enemy, when they... When they dropped the album, everybody went to go get it. Yeah. And then probably uh, third, I won't say Michael Jackson, because if you live and you know who Michael Jackson is, but I probably would say um, Luther Vandross, because he's one of the smoothest R&B singers that's ever been, you know, regardless of what he was or what he wasn't outside the music. But with the music, man, he... He had that voice, and he had that music, and you can play Luther today, and it's going to be just as hot as it was in 1985 <clears throat> or whenever, you know what I mean? So right. I, w- I would say that I would say them three. Those are good ones, man. Those are the two of them are actually mine. And um, Amanda, what say you? Well, first of all, you're not being fair, and I'm going to tell you why. I was six <laughs> years old in 1990, so it's kind of like – Okay, I think everybody else gets to talk about their teenagers. So the first one, you were like, I was like, oh, boys to men. And you were like, prior to 1990. I'm like, oh, okay, well, let, me, let me think. Because you're, you're, you're right. I, I, well, the main thing was that for people who are at least 20 years or older than you. So I guess if you want to bump it up to like, you know, maybe 95 or 98 or something when you're teens, then that's cool. All right. Um, I mean, I would say definitely boys to men. That was my favorite group. Um, when they came out, they were and still still one of my favorite all time groups ever. So I would definitely say um, Boys to Men for sure. Um, I was thinking Luther Luther Vandross because I was um, I was definitely a Luther fan. Um, of course, you know, like Ray said, there's no need to say Michael Jackson. Yeah. But for any in case somebody was was sleeping on his material, I mean. Like, like, just you, you kind of have to say it. But um, Prince is another one of those. Um, Whitney Houston's early. I think her stuff in the late '80s was just like oh yeah, stellar. You know, so it's it's kind of like well, I know her and and Luther, and it's just it was they they were just like really ruling the radio air, um, airwaves. Uh, Anita Baker is another good one. Yeah, just you know to listen to some real. Um, Sade is another good one. Just that real mellow period of 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 R and B music. So before 
you got into more of the new Jack Swing type era. They they just had a real smooth adult, um, mellow R and B thing going on. So I would definitely say those artists, since I have to stay within my lifetime, because you know where I want to go. So. <laughs> right. Oh, I mean, you could go back. Like, I thought I you thought she was gonna go Sam without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. I gotta say, it can, as long as it's before uh, the particular era of people, you know, that are younger than you, um, then that's fine. I would have been all right somewhere from the fifties, sixties, or whatever. Okay, well, uh, I'll start on Sam Cooke, the Drifters, all that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and. Um, it's ironic we talk about generation gaps and then we talk about a group called Boys and Men. But uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I think any of those are, are great. But I have uh, I have two two artists and well two groups and an album. Um, the artist Ray mentioned Run DMC. Uh, Run DMC was the first mainstream rap group that I can recall. Um, and what they did with their music crossing over to white music with their um, little uh, thing they did with Aerosmith of Walk This Way. Walk This Way. Yeah, the Adidas, you know, name branding, how that became big, and then Crush Groove. They they just really set the trend for everything that's going on. Um, also, what Ray said, Public Enemy, um, that It Takes a Nation a Million to Hold Us Back was a by far an awesome album, Fear of a Black Planet. Um, their first album, I, I think it might have just been called Public Enemy. I can't remember the name of the first album, but, um, I mean, Public Enemy just really resonated with a lot of young, conscious people back in the day. And this particular artist is great, but this CD is probably one of the greatest CDs of all time on my list, and that's the Tender Lover album by Babyface. You can play that CD from front to back, and you don't have to worry about skipping anything, especially on that flip side with all the slow cuts. Man. That's the one with Whistle Peel on it? Yep. Mm-hmm. That, that, the only other album that I would probably put above it, and even though I talk about this dude all the time, I still recognize his talent, that 12-play album by R. Kelly, that um, I can't remember what year that came out. That oh, was yeah, that was, that's classic. Oh, yeah. That, ooh, oh, yeah. boy. What, 90, well, 90, 90, yeah. 5, 93? I, I want to say it was uh, 93, somewhere around there, 94. That 12-play yeah. album was amazing. Your body's calling, bumpy, bump and grind. Same like you're ready. I, I mean, 12-play, sex me. He, he did, did it on that. another one on Kelly. You know, what you're doing now is cool, but we need another one, R. Kelly. R. Kelly, one of my favorite singers, but, you know, that cursing on the track and rapping and all that, hey, we need that 12-play, R. Kelly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That was one of the greatest yeah. albums I'd ever heard. So I got yeah. so. All right, let me, uh, let me go to the phone, see if he wants to chime in real quick. To the 601 area code, the Magnolia State of Mississippi. Bring on the man, the myth, the minister of sexual affairs, Eminem. What's happening, bro? <laughs> <laughs> what up, Q? What a radio world. Hey, I, I can tell you what, what one of his cool. three going to be, and I'm going to see what he's going to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Eminem, man. If you, you had to pick two of them. <laughs> three songs or three artists 
or three albums that you wanted someone who was at least 20 years older than you to listen to, something from your, you know, from your life um, or prior to your life, I guess, as far as music is concerned, what would you pick? Like, I, I picked Run DMC, Public Enemy, and Babyface Tender Lover album. Um, Amanda said, boy, it's a man. She said, Sam Cooke. And, um, you know, we all had our different things. What would you go with for someone 20, oh, man. 20 years younger than you to listen to? To sit them okay. down, they got to listen to all of it. They got to put that. I try to mix the genres up a little bit, but uh, uh, I, I got to go with artists. I can't just pick a specific. Okay. Uh, so I got to start off with Rick James. I'm a huge Rick James uh, fan. Uh, matter of fact, you know, you can listen to, like, street songs and, and uh, Bustin' Loose. All his albums you can really play from end to end. Uh, then, you know, I got to keep it real. Got to keep with them them uh, them, them ghetto boys. They got to they gotta get some ghetto boys in there. And, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 because, you know. Uh, see, like, like the, the cats now, man, the, 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 the street music don't have a a lot of realistic ending to it but you know uh-huh. uh but you know at at that time you know the even though it had a rough edge to it most of the time it still had somewhat of a realistic ending to it you know what i'm saying so right got to got to keep it with that and uh, um um then then i wouldn't mind putting them on some outcast too you know but uh uh that's that that's that's some that's some real shit and uh, but album to album, just one particular album. I don't know, y'all might have already mentioned it. Keith Sweat, Make It Last Forever. That had to be. Oh yeah, that's one yeah. of the uh, outside of Michael Jackson and Prince and that kind of stuff amongst black people. That had to be one of the albums uh, um, that you really didn't know what the main song was because like all of them got played. You know what I'm saying? Make It Last right. Forever, uh, Right in the Wrong Way. Uh, which was uh, one of uh, me and Ray's youngest uncle's favorite songs because that's how I got kind of put on that one. Um, Damn, I almost knew that whole album. Matter of fact, another Uh, one too, man. Another album that was end-to-end was I Ain't Tripping. Too Short? Oh, yeah. We were talking about Too Short the other day. Yeah. Hey, I know I'm that's my brother from my 18. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because Ray, Ray takes me too short and ghetto boys. He takes me too short and ghetto boys. I was laughing when you said ghetto boys. Then you said too short. <laughs> oh, hey, cuz know me now. He know me. <laughs> hey, you know, there's one that we got to mention, and, and I don't even know how this slipped by. But we can't leave out the two live crew. We cannot oh, yeah. them out. Yeah. But you know what yeah. though? You know what? This is crazy though, but as as popular as they were, especially when all of them was together, mm-hmm. uh, they still had some songs that a lot of people never heard for some reason. Mm-hmm. You know, because one of my mm-hmm. favorite two live oh. songs is, is is Pussy Ass Nigga. I think that was on the movie yeah. from uh, album. That was uh yeah. That was um <laughs> that was they were remixing Mr. Mix's voice. Yeah, put the music put, on put, that was it. Yeah, right. Put 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 the ad, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. Wow, I remember that one. 
but but they they songs were so dominant, man. I remember when Throw That D came out. It was like Throw That Throw That Throw That D Throw That. You know, it's just like I guess it was so in your face that it's just like you didn't even have to listen no to the rest song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and but their uh, songs were songs were in your face, but the thing was, their songs not only were they in a, in your face, they went every club, every club right. was playing, after, yeah. and they played them for years. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, but that um, that brought along the evolution of dance because, um, and I posted a photo in the T2Q group I think um, recently about the evolution of dance, about how people used to dance apart in the fifties. They got yeah. a little closer in the seventies, and then in the eighties, in the late eighties, and the early in the nineties, that's when women started turning around, turning their backs towards men, and men danced behind them. And now it's just sex, you know, pretty much on the dance yeah. floor. But but uh, Kimmy Bernard chimed in. She said uh, "Guy," which is a good one. She also said "The Girl yeah, Boy." Eric B and Rakim. She oh, agreed. Yeah. Hey, Sweat and Too Short, and she said "Two Live Crew," the originals of twerking. And uh, she mm-hmm. said Memphis uh, Three Six Mafia Project Pat. She has to represent that nine on one. Pat, man, she skipped over. Eight, uh, I, I think uh, what's that coming out hard? Eight, um, eight ball MJD. Eight ball MJD. They, yeah, they very first album. Just, yeah, that's the one. Hi, hi. Oh, but I can blow the. Hey. I can blow the. Oh, I can blow the. But all that was nineteen ninety and before though. Nah, you know, that was. I'm love Three Six Mafia. Nineteen ninety three, but I yeah. don't know how old she is, so she may. But uh, hey, what right about um, uh, did 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 uh, did anybody throw uh, the uh, uh, that uh, uh, anybody from the Jews crew in there, man? You know, them them some nah. popular albums. Oh. Big Daddy Kane. Oh yeah, man. Big Daddy Kane, Long Live the Kane, and yeah, Big man. Mark all going on. Because see, yeah. like see, like at KRS that time, White. like I, I know it was a mm-hmm. section of. It was a section of, of uh, I think it was, uh, what it was, like, 88 to 89, something like that. It was just like, just about everybody from the Jews crew had so many popular uh, songs that, you know, you know, you know, as far as, like, listening through the whole, you know, when you buy a tape, you get your money's worth. It was just right. like, we damn that shit all day. And then uh, I know one summer uh, uh, Ray and my other cousin came and, and uh you know, uh, put us up on Coogee rap and some of the the the, um, yeah. the, 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 the ones that took a while to just go national. I say, like, damn, right. man. You know, yeah. and I remember I ended up uh, joining his fan club, man, and uh, not like no groupie and shit, but just like, hey, man, I like your shit and stuff like that. And and I was just like, damn, man, I got a reply. Uh, I know I was getting ready to go to school, and uh, my mom said, you got a letter from somebody somewhere. And I opened it. I said, damn, man. It, it, you know, I know it wasn't actually G Rap, but uh, whoever handles his publication, man, they wrote me wrote me back and stuff, and that was like huge for you know somebody right. way down the country like that. So that was some shit. Right. That was way before social media, mm-hmm. man. Well, I'm gonna yep. blow the dust off of two for um, from Kimmy since she's listening from from Memphis, Gangsta Pat, and yep. oh yeah, Kay, and Kane Pan Skinny Pimp. Pan Skinny Pimp. Oh yeah, that's looking, a, looking for the chillers. Man, I forgot about that dude, man. I forgot about that dude. Man, Memphis was doing it, man. Man, yeah. Memphis and New Orleans, man, they had some serious music, man. Folks just not, don't not, know. Not, and and I got some 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 much lesser known people, but for the people in the area, uh, 
the y'all, y'all remember uh, the Wildlife Society and yeah, oh yeah, um, what's oh, up, yeah. Jack? Oh yeah, they was from Jackson, wasn't they? Uh uh-huh. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You mean Richard when the uh, uh, old boy was in there? Uh, uh, what's his name? Wasn't he? Uh, the producer now David Banner. Now. You think about Banner? David Banner. Yeah, yeah. He was. Yeah, he, with, was uh, he was in uh, Crooked Letters with uh, yeah, Crooked Letters. Oh, yeah, and, right. and um, and Kamikaze yeah. and uh. Yeah, I can't remember who else. You're right. But, yeah, for folks who just want some good old school music to listen to, from some regional music you may have never heard, definitely look up King Pen, Skinny Pimp. Definitely look up uh, <laughs> Gangsta <laughs> Pat for some old Gangsta Walt type music. Yeah, uh, I, I, I show remember boys, what, uh, uh, Which is popular in New Orleans, even though they're not from yeah. there. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, uh, now, uh, uh, OG... New Orleans gangster rapper man that that a lot of people probably never heard of, but this is the guy that Manny Fresh was actually down with before Baby. Uh, uh, Gregory it was a cat named Gregory D, and they had a, uh-huh. a song called The Project Rap Man. Ask anybody from New Orleans that's a certain age about The Project Rap. That had to be the yeah. most popular song for like two or three years straight because it named out everybody's project and all that kind of stuff and. And uh, everybody loved that down there. Right, right. Because mm-hmm. cause, cause before Project Rap came out, everything was just pretty much like, uh, well, you know, of course, the, the the native Creole-flavored music and then the bounce, but more like lively stuff. But that Project Rap came out, man, that was just like, damn, this is different. And uh, yeah, you know, folks yeah. were going crazy, you know. But I don't that know was, what happened uh, to Gregory D. That was 1989, man. That was a while back in uh Oh, yeah. was, I think it was. I think it was called "Where You From." Yeah, and, uh, uh, it was called uh, "Bust Up Time." Well, hold on. What was the name? There of was the a bu- bust, bust up time. time. Bust right, time. and then it. Um, and then, but the but they they gave it a new. They gave it an unofficial name. Okay. Like you're the DJ, they just say "Project." We get ready to play "Project Rap," and everybody just starts yeah. going crazy. <laughs> kind of like everybody called um, called um, "Drag Rap Trigger Man," even though the song was yeah, called "Drag." Right, rap. right, right, right. So. Who was like one of the first rappers, uh, well, other than uh, other than Eminem and that kind of stuff? Who, who's like some of the first rappers from Detroit, man? That's that's some knowledge I don't really have. Detroit, uh, Chicago, man, just the, the Midwest in general. Because I know it was plenty of people. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Rappers from Detroit. <laughs> I know it used to be a group called Detroit's Most Wanted, and the only reason I knew that... Um, when I had, I had work study with a guy from from Detroit, and he had that, and I'm like, damn, it came out literally about the same time as Cube had America's Most Wanted. They had Detroit's Most Wanted, but uh, I, I don't I don't know, you know, how popular they were up that way. But it's just funny how like you got like the, you know, every every section of the country, and this was a lot of I ain't gonna just say white people, but just a lot of people maybe not accustomed to certain things about our culture don't understand you got like rap for everybody you got hip-hop for everybody you got stuff this mainstream and then you got like that regional stuff and then you got the subculture stuff so it's like it's such a huge influence in different ways yeah. then you start getting into this modern day stuff where you know it's basically guys you know banging at each other and retaliating, talking about people they done hit, and then they actually doing this shit. Some of them crazy enough to actually do it, and cops arresting their ass, and 
you know, yeah. this new stuff, I'm just not with it, you know. Just it, it's I no guess. fun no more. Not, not gonna, I, I ain't going to just put every cap rapper in that category, but it's so many now that just – I said, like, damn, man, y'all need to focus on your skills, your 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 – your business sense, and you know, because like I said, I'm back in the school. So when you when I be hearing about little groups, they all focused on the shit that ain't got nothing to do with the actual art form. You know, right? You know, yeah. who who done been to jail the most time? That type of bullshit stuff that ain't got nothing and to that's do with. Bullshit. I mean, yeah, well, Detroit, right. Detroit's most wanted was the first uh, Detroit rap group to get a national record deal. Uh, so they they were big back in like 1986 and everything. The first. Uh, I guess rapper from Detroit that I remember was Exhibit, and you know he's yeah. mostly known for MTV, probably trick, you know, pimp my ride or whatever. Right. Then he is oh, rapper from yeah. Detroit. Okay, I don't oh, know yeah. why oh, I thought he was from LA, from LA man. You know Detroit. Yeah, I thought was, for sure he was from LA. He was he was born in Detroit. I don't know if he moved there at a young age, but he was born in Detroit. Okay, um, that's kind of like uh, who was that? Is uh, corrupt was born in Philly. I think maybe uh-huh. and raised in LA yeah, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But other than that, man, I really don't know. I mean, it's like when Eminem kind of came on the scene. That's kind of like the one I remember. Now there was a. Um, I I just googled it, and there was a um, rapper by the name of Boss that I do remember. Back in the early '90s, it was a was a female rapper oh, the called female, Boss. Yeah. Yeah, now, I remember, yeah, uh, what's his name, but he was, from, he was from Flint, uh, MC Bree. Uh, I remember okay. him, so th- that's like the Detroit area still, so I forgot yeah. about MC Bree. Okay, okay, yeah, so they, I guess they didn't have like the, the, the line of rappers that I expected, I mean, I guess they got a lot of singers, but. I was expecting more rappers until you yeah. mentioned. And, and, I mean, and, and, and it's not that I, and, and that's exactly what I was getting at. It's not that I was, you know, just singling out, you know, Detroit just for the hell of it. But I did. Yeah. But, but that be just such a music mecca for, and then has to have such a large black population. It seemed like you know, more mainstream rappers over the years. You know, when it kind of first started out, would have came from places like that before they start popping up in. You know, in the South and Miami and Atlanta, you know, even L.A. You know, it seemed like it would have been, after New York, it seemed like Detroit would have probably been the one popping up with right. a whole lot of different rappers. So, but yeah, and then as far as, um, you know, white rappers, the Beastie Boys were the first that I remembered. The first that went big. Um, then, um, the in, now one of the guys from the in, Insane Clown Posse is from, from Detroit. Um, I don't know which one. Hey, and what about the... Uh, well, did the did the Beastie Boys? Well, yeah, they they did predate predate the Young Black Teenagers. I know, remember that group, the Young Black Teenagers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Beastie Boys way before them. Yeah, Beastie yeah, Boys eighty six. Oh, yeah, that might be. Yeah, that's right. That might be right. And they kind of, I think, Run DMC kind of brought them into the mix. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. Oh man, another time my music. All right, so. Yeah, what was the topic tonight, man? I'm sorry. I, I got in late. What's the... <laughs> We're talking about generation gaps. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, so that's how we got to generation gaps as far as music. Uh, but all right, so now let's talk about as far as generation gaps when it comes to dating. And Amanda, I'll go back to you. Well, I mean, what do you think the difference in, is when it comes to dating as far as generation X, generation Y, and the millennials? What do you think the, the disconnect is when it comes to dating? Um... That's a good question. 
I guess I would say that, I mean, technology brings about um, changes that didn't exist in prior generations with the uh, having your cell phone, you can text message all the time, there's social media, you know, you can even get into Netflix and chill. So it's so mm-hmm. many different things that I think in some ways make people way more accessible. But okay. um sometimes that can that can be a good thing and a bad thing. Um the good thing is you you have more opportunities to actually talk and to get to know each other, but sometimes that takes away from the physically actually talking and communicating is more like quick little hey, what you into, you want to come see me, or, you know, instead of actually saying, you know, calling somebody on the phone and saying, you know, well, there's a show I would like to take you, are you available Saturday night, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. So I think that the the technology has um, has definitely, you can't you can't even talk about the generation um, gap and the, the changes with dating without bringing up social media and technology, which I know we've talked about on the show before. Right. So I think that... I think that's one of the biggest uh, contributors in the in the change and the difference. And the other thing would be, like we talked about um, earlier, as far as when you gave the different categories, and I talked about values being different. To some people, they just don't they just don't have the values. They don't care about, you know, having sex on the first date, or if they're actually getting to know somebody, or the what they're actually looking at when they're attracted to this person. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's. It's a million different things, but that's a good starting point, I guess. Okay. All right. I like where you're going, the direction you went with that. And, Buck, what do you think, man? What's the difference? Uh, well, first of all, let me read what Kimmy said on Facebook. She said, Generation X, more commit, more commitment and up for the challenge. Dating was actually dating. Nowadays, no commitment. Jump from person to person and not up for a challenge, just my opinion. Okay. So, Buck, what do you think about the differences in dating now? Just what everybody just said. I mean, including the one from the you know chat room. It's just you know, a date used to be a date back in the day, and now it's just not. I mean, everybody you know, everybody's got their own own agenda, and it just seems like now. I mean. It's all of a side. It's not, you know, there's no realism to it anymore. And it's it's so much harder to find somebody that's really true about anything. And uh, it just makes it more difficult. It just, it, it, it's actually kind of depressing, to be honest with you, you know, because you go out there and you go on a date and, you know, the first date, maybe the two, maybe two, everything seems to be pretty decent. And then by that third one, you know, you got chicken head problems. So it's just, it's just chicken, very difficult. Chicken. But chicken. I'm sorry. Yeah, so it's just it's just one of them deals, you know. But I mean, there's there's somebody fit for everyone out there. You just got to fight through all the crap to find the right one. And Ray, what do you think the differences are, man? Because uh, there are definitely plenty of differences. Well, I think um, it, it's not not as many standards, and it's not as uh. Ladies, they 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 coming up different now. They not you know demanding respect. They want respect in the workplace, but they don't want respect when it comes to dating and you know and stuff like that. So it's really no value placed on it. Mm-hmm. You know you can you can send somebody a text and you know ask for a deed or whatever the case is, and you know and 
the guy may bring his phone and his tablet on a date, and she got hers, and, you know, what's the point of you guys being together if you want to do all that other stuff? You know what I mean? You yeah. can get away with that now versus, you know, I don't say you should go to the extreme like some of the old school guys did where you got to pick the girl up on the doorstep, you got to come in and shake a father's hand and all that shit, but, you know, it just needs to be more more standards. And a female should, you know, require a guy to show a little respect and then the female at the same time show the guy some respect. But if neither person feels like they got to respect the other, then they ain't worth dating anyway. So, you know, that that's what the main thing is. It's not the, res- the respect is not there. Versus, you know, a guy back in the day, if he got a date, you know, it was a big thing if the girl said, yeah, so she's not going out every weekend. Yeah. She ain't dating four guys at the same time, you know. And, you know, all that day she's going to be getting ready, whether she was poor and her sister had to do her hair or whatever the case is, she was getting ready the whole day for that. Nowadays, you know, you hang out with your boys and you're like, man, shit, I got to go check this chick out in about another hour, and you just go right on over there. <laughs> so that's mainly the thing, you know, just respect level. Man, you took me back with that one. But uh, that's true, that's true. And um, so Eminem... I'm going to ask you this from, um, I guess, a teacher's perspective. How has education changed throughout the generation? Oh, I'm sorry, but hold on. I want to comment on the last one. And you can, oh. too, if you want. But oh. I was going to say, uh, as far yeah, as the difference in dating, I do think that Amanda was on the right track with technology, but it's not necessarily just the technology we hold in our hands. Uh, think back to way back in the day, before Generation X, with the baby boomers, uh, when not everyone had access to a car. Since you didn't have access to a car, that means your dating pool was very limited. So you had to date wherever you could walk, essentially, which means that you didn't have the option maybe to fool around as much because there weren't too many people in your area where you could reach. So if you found a good girl, you probably kept her rather than messing over her because, you know, and then you got to worry about being related to the people in your area, too, so... Then as cars came along, everyone had a car, and then that expanded the dating pool. Now you're dating people within driving distance. That opens things up. That means you don't have to take things as serious because you got options. Then fast forward to computers. Then fast forward to cell phones. Now we basically have the world open to us. We feel like because somebody, you know, who lives over in, in, in Toronto, Canada, likes one of our Instagram photos, we like, oh, man, I can have anybody now, you know, so... I do think technology has kind of changed our mindset to make me feel like we got more options when it comes to dating. And when you feel like you have options, you're not too quick to commit. But um, Eminem, you can chime in on that, and I'll ask you the next question. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I think everybody had uh, not, not even good points, but excellent points. Every, everything was really on point. Uh, but now I, I, I'd just like to make an additional comment, um, just pretty much in a whole different category. A lot of it has to do with uh, how parents over the years are raising their kids. Like, uh, I guess because so many, well, one of the reasons could be so many fathers are out of the home and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So there was there was no longer a sense of, uh, you know, well, in a nutshell, women used to be groomed to be wives. 
you know. I mean, that was the whole thing. That was the whole purpose of, you know, not getting pregnant for, you know, every the first nigga to blow along. That was the whole purpose of, 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 uh, you know, being a lady in the streets and all that kind of stuff. That's where all those little sayings came from because the whole plan was, you know, you were gonna basically marry somebody who can, you know, enhance your life. You know, whether that's, uh, you know, just from love or spiritually, financially. You know, I mean, not not like a gold digger sense, but I'm just saying, like, so uh, suitors had to understand, kind of like what you know. Uh, uh, I think Ray was hitting on, like, uh, you know, everybody respected each other, but for one. You know, uh, it, it was easy for a guy to be more uh, manable because, like I say, the women from birth were groomed to be, you know, uh, that type of stuff. And I find myself, I guess, you know, being kind of stuck in a generation zone or whatever because, you know, just dealing with some of my youth programs, I noticed, like, the girls don't never like to do the things that I consider girl stuff, you know. The girls don't want to be cheerleaders. They want to play football. I like shit. Nah, I want you to be a cheerleader. I mean, you know that kind of stuff. The girls don't want. Mm-hmm. They don't. We have little fundraising stuff. They don't want to, uh, you know, put on you know dresses and be like princes and that type of shit. You know. So I'm just saying, like, I just noticed that you know uh, the parents aren't promoting that kind of stuff. So it's almost like n- nobody's getting groomed to be the. Uh, you know uh, what they say the rescue by Prince Charming and and you know just grooming their daughters to be good wives and that type of shit. So now it's pretty much you know you groom to take care of yourself, so you don't have to look for certain attributes in a man. And you know that's the result of a lot of the shit we're seeing. You know. Yeah. You know, that makes I mean, sense, man. Yeah, because I ain't gonna act right if you if you ain't gonna act right, I ain't gonna act right. So. So everybody's just fucking. So hey. <laughs> well, let me ask you this: as far as an education perspective, how has education changed throughout the generations? And like, what do you think some of the pros and cons are from each era? Um, the the one of the biggest pros is now you can be less educated and be much more successful. Um, uh, now. Most scholars, and I consider myself a scholar, but most scholars are going to say the opposite. They're going to say because of the technology and stuff, you need your education now more than you ever did and stuff like that. That's true to an extent, but but I think it's so easy now to be a, a, a entrepreneur. Like, just think, man, you could be a guy that uh, – well, let me take this back now. I mean, let me, let, me, let me throw an asterisk in there. If you have a good work ethic, I put it that way. Not just a kid just dropping out and all that shit, but one with a good work ethic. You could quit school. Not please don't do this, kids. But you can quit school in the sixth grade, right? And you have a pretty decent attitude, but a strong work ethic. You can start a cleaning service, right? And you can, you know, if you're pretty computer literate, you can go on to a website and you can go somewhere like. Uh, printing now, one, two, three, print, and buy a whole business package with business cards, envelopes. They give you a website. All this shit that you used to have to go to business school for, all that stuff is your disposal. So that almost eliminated the need for being very knowledgeable of certain things. Mm-hmm. Now, the cons, of, the cons of that is adversely 
the kids don't know how to interpret that shit. The kids took it, taking it like, well, hey, I know, you know, ten people who got a house bigger than yours, and and they shit look better than yours. What they driving, and they, you know, they didn't go to school at all, and they didn't do this and stuff like that. But say they they don't understand that person got a good work ethic. Uh, who knows? They might have had some good startup money, some kind of way. You know, they they don't factor in anything, and then you have a, a, a large vacuum of people who think, or kids that think that they have all the time in the world to just snap their fingers and everything just going to come successful. And then that's why you see so many jokers now, you know, you know, in their 30s with the mentality of a teenager because they have, like, nothing to back them up mentally. Like, there's no kind of um, the old school way of education where, you know, you had to put that work in. So if you didn't go the college route, fine. You know, a lot of people are successful, but the thing about it, you knew you had to work, though. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You knew you had to get your ass up, not cuss out your supervisor as soon as you get there, you know, pull your pants up, you know, shake a man's hand with a firm grip. All all those things got totally lost. The kids now don't understand the process. It's like they just see the results. They don't, you know, they see, you know, uh, this rapper or this entertainer being a millionaire, but they don't see all the hours of, you know, walking to clubs and, Trying to get people to play your shit. No, I mean they, they don't. They don't factor in any of that kind of stuff. Um, that that's and it's really disgusting because it, it, it's like you be trying to share a certain knowledge and they looking at you like, man, shit, I already know all this shit. You know, I mean, sure. but you don't know nothing. You don't know shit. Okay. At the end, of two or three years later, your ass in jail <laughs> on news or something. I'm saying, see that? Now you don't get frustrated because you didn't listen to no goddamn body. Now you frustrated. Now you out here, you know, sticking up people and that kind of shit, right. breaking in folks' houses. Okay. Okay. And Buck, how do you think the education system has changed uh, through the generations? Well, I think they've dumbed it down. I mean, you got to look at it like this: the grades are different now than what they were then when we were coming up. True. You know, D stopped. D stopped at seventy. I think they may have slipped to sixty-nine right before we graduated, but now sixty is a D. So, you know, in you know, you had. I think that you know when we were coming up, ninety-four to a hundred was an A. You know, eighty-five to ninety-three was a B. You know, seventy-five to eighty. You know, eighty-three was a C. Just you know, it just yeah. Now, now they go sixty, seventy D, you know seventy, you know seventy, eighty C. I mean, yeah, it, it, I don't know now. Yeah. Hey, hey, but so, boy, the, the the kids wanted to pass, and the parents wanted to make sure they stayed in the ass so you would pass. But now, there's no parental support. So, well, I mean, man, you have 20, 20, 21 years old, still in the ninth grade. They got mm-hmm. to move them both motherfuckers on. I, I I feel you though. I mean, I was right with you, but then when I started seeing some certain stuff firsthand, I'm like, my God, shit done really yeah. changed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's really strange to see that, you know, because I still look at it the way I came up, and it's just you know for me, just you know, you can't dumb down society to the point to where I mean, you you made a valid point when you said you don't have you don't have to typically have as much education. But in my opinion, you do because you say you get out of school in sixth or seventh grade, you don't have the tools. And the reason why you don't have the tools is because you got young people raising young people. It wasn't back in the day when older people were 
able to teach younger people certain things. When you get young people teaching young people, you don't have the drive that you need to start your own business if you get out of school at night in the ninth grade. You're too busy yeah. stuck in a kid type mentality by playing video games or you know right. doing what you know being baby. on the phone you know doing technology and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. And you're not doing the type of things that you need to do because you're not learning from yeah. people that have that've already been there, done that. Hey, 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 book. I'm gonna take you down memory lane again. But you remember how it was when when we were kids? How it might be. It don't even have to be a family member. It could just be like some older guy that you know everybody kind of knew from from either the neighborhood or a barbershop or something. Barbershop. You know how every, all the yep. kids like to listen to the stuff he had to say. Yep. Man, try, try to talk to some of these jokers, man. I'm talking about even if yeah. you're joking and stuff, it's like they don't even want to deal with nobody older than them, period. It's like i I never seen nothing like it. I used to like to hear old men tell dirty jokes and shit, but they don't even like nothing, man. They just like It's incredible. It's incredible yeah. to see disconnect because, like I said, now when you drop out of school now, you're stuck because you don't know what the hell to do. You, you haven't learned, you know, you didn't, you didn't learn a skill or right. a craft or something from because you know you had an uncle or or a dad or or you know uh, older nephew or something like that. They taught you things. You had people that taught you trades. They taught you how to paint. They taught you how to right. be a You're exactly right on that. They taught you how to be an electrician. Now you don't have that because yeah, you can go to school for it. You can go to Georgetown down here, for example, and learn some of those things. But there's there's stuff that you learn on the job that is invaluable, that you just can't learn in a classroom setting, that you need to know. I see electricians from the old school that come work on my house. I don't do too much electricity. I'm messing around with it now a little bit. But I see these guys can work on the stuff hot. I can't do it. I have to shut all the power off because yeah, you know, I don't man. want to be blown across the electric style. But there, yeah. there are certain people that can work on things hot. You know, I see 60, 60 and 70-year-old guys but that's how they know how to do. Look, they, they I tell you what. Never the amazing. next time, the next time you see any tradesman, ask them. Just just have mm-hmm. a general conversation with them. Say, man, you know, um, you doing all this by yourself? I done asked over ten of them over the last five years, and I got the same answer every time. He said, nobody don't want to do nothing. Their family members don't want to do nothing. The kids in the street don't want to do nothing. The single moms uh-huh. with the boys don't want to give you give the boy to the man and let him show him something. Nobody don't want to do shit. Agree. Yeah, I agree. All right, so um, let's see. A couple more questions, and we'll wrap this up. And, Ray, let me go back to you, man. Ray, what do you think is argued about more between older and young people? They argue more about, like, hair or fashion, music, movies, sports. What do you what do you, in your experience do you see people get into it the most over? Oh, I think they get into it about about sports. Um, I mean they get into it about music, but music a lot of times it is classic. So you know you can reach back and say you know I'm not here to say Run DMC is a, a better group than you know somebody coming along today or whatever, but you know. It, it's it, you. You can argue about music, but more, mainly, mainly is sports. I don't care if you're talking about boxing. I don't care if you're talking about football, baseball, track and field. 
is always going to be a debate between the older guys and the younger guys. And, you know, to me, my thing is always with facts. Everybody can be entitled to their opinion, but you have to have some fact behind what you're saying. So I think mainly the older guys just want to look at things from a standpoint of how they did it, when they did it, and under what circumstances. As instead of just looking at it as far as what the person done. You know, I don't care if you killed 20 people. If you played good ball, you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. That's yeah. just my opinion. Some people yeah. look at things differently. But yeah, Pete Rose and never get in. Yeah. Oh, he'd get in. He'd just be older or almost dead when he get in there. But, you know, it's, it's just a shame how people do, you know. But that's the debate that I would go with sports because the guy will tell you, like, you know, you're recently crazy stories about Will Chamberlain, you know, jumping from the foul <laughs> line without running and shit like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot, a lot of nonsense. Nobody can't show it to you on no film, but they can tell you what they saw. You know, that's bullshit. But that's just my opinion. Hey, I, I, hey, cuz, I, 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 I just want to know if you observed this too, but I noticed that, uh, uh, I, I ain't going to say all younger people or whatever, but a lot of the, the newest generation, uh, I, I guess it's such a disconnect being around, you know, men at a certain part of their life. You'll see a joker, you know, arguing down, you know, something sports related, but it's like they, they don't, it's, it's like they uh, – I don't say you have to just be a student of the game, but you know how generally the zone coverage shows is, you know, most of the comments we make, you know, it's still going to be backed up by something. Somebody can go to, you know, ESPN and look up and like, yeah, yeah, that that, that is true. That guy did do that. But a lot of cats just like – I don't know. They they make statements, but they – it almost makes it sound like they just saying stuff. You know what I'm saying? You know, I, I really get that from the younger generation. I I, I come across I get, a lot of that. Because I notice a lot of them don't call in on the show or nothing like that. It's like, you know, it's like they don't make comparative stuff. Okay, like right now, just say if one of us was a a Dolphins fan. Well, we might bring up comparing, you know, uh, uh, Marino's passing efficiency versus Bob Greasy, even though Greasy had the better record in, you know, a Super Bowl win. I'm saying they're not going to even make something that general. I mean, it's going to just be like, nah, man, that other team suck. Okay, suck. Okay, what you mean suck? I mean, say something, man. You know, you know, you 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 huffing and puffing, but you ain't saying nothing yet. You know, and I just noticed that it seems to be a lack of just general knowledge about certain stuff. But they they love to get into it, but they ain't gonna really say too much. You know? Yeah. Well, I, mean, I, I was hoping some would start calling in on the on 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 some of the shows sometime in the younger generations just to you know just to prove that okay you know all y'all can't be this damn you know whatever. Yeah. But the thing about it is when they all argue with their buddies, they all agreeing with each other because nobody has the no, sense to right. investigate what what the other is saying. It's just like, you know, like you have the LeBron and Michael Jordan debate, you know, with a lot of young guys, you know, they'll say things one way or the other. And, you know, see, to me, it's not about all the things you can do. To me, it's about what you do well 
and how does it apply to your team? You can have all the building in the world. You don't use it. You know, to me, just like guys like Peyton Manning, them, they get a pass. Drew Brees, they get a pass. Drew Brees been drawing his arm back for years, but he got one Super Bowl and losing most of them games he's gone for 400 yards in. You know, you get a pass. Not to say the man not a Hall of Famer. Only thing I'm saying is, is you didn't do what you were supposed to do throughout your career. And I don't think enough people look at that, you know. It's, it's like what I have a problem with with some of the younger generation is when they argue something and they know nothing about anything prior to that, that era. Like they'll say, oh, um, you know, Kevin Durant is the first big man with handles. And then folks my age looking at him like, really, dude? Like, you know, Kevin Durant's the first guy 6'9 and up that can actually dribble. And, you know, and it's like they don't know anything about what happened prior to or when they say that uh, uh, someone like just insert white guy here is the best best defender um, of all time. And it's like, okay, you never saw Kevin McHale play? They're like, who? You know, they. I mean, they don't know anything. You know, so I, I, mean, like, but, I hate but, I hate it when people. But even in stuff. modern times, man, even in even in their own era, even in their own era, um, it still seems to be. It, it seems it seems like it, it's almost like where we grew up watching the whole game and stuff. It almost like it's almost like they so used to getting stuff in increments, like you know, Twitter feeds or something with updates. It sounds like. It's almost like everything's being curtailed. You see what I'm saying? It's like nobody really gets to just absorb the whole thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It, it seems to be like just sound bites and shit. You know, just like yeah. it, it, it's not you not absorbing everything. You know, to to even make your points. You know. That makes well, sense. I know. Just um, in in my um in my life, I know people. I think people argue about sports and music more. Uh, but at least sports, you know, is easily debated, and you know we do it twenty four seven. Music is something that I've heard debate. I've never really heard people debate like movies that much or, or fashion. I mean, yeah, old people tell you to pull your pants up. I mean, that's about it. It really ain't too much uh, of a debate. Now, 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 for this, for for the for the South to be just you know mainly favoring favoring uh, football. Most of the debates I hear is like basketball related. I don't see too many guys getting into about football too much. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know why. Basketball know. is really subjective because of the different positions and the height. And uh, it's it's really subjective, I guess, more so than football because football you still got yeah. ten other people on the field even when you're comparing someone. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I know right. a lot of uh, team jumping and stuff. Uh, I know my kids got into it with a, you know, a couple guys. I mean, you know, like that. You know, it's just, you know, to each their own. But you know, that's something that that you know, previous generation didn't do as much. I ain't said don't go on at all, but you know, it's oh, like yeah. you, know, you, you talk to a guy, you know, five years, he got five different teams. It's like okay, well, because I was talking to one of my uh, uh, coaches, man, and we was talking about how. You know, uh, not counting the, the young kids that just just old enough to start having favorite teams and stuff. But prior to that, it's like shit, man. Down here, you ain't never seen nobody talking about they was a Seahawk fan and shit like that. But you know, everybody get on the bandwagon. You know, it's like shit. 
But um, yeah, but I, that's just a sign of the times, though, with free agency and all that stuff. So I guess it would have a uh, effect on the, you know, everything. So just like well, yeah. if I'd have met Book twenty five years ago, he was still a fan then. I was an Eagle fan. Then. I'm just saying, it's just like you don't really see that type of stuff too much no more. That's that's not really the topic, but that's something I just thought about. There's a big bigger gap that I'm noticing since we were talking about sports a little bit. No doubt. That makes sense. No doubt. All right, so wrap things up. And Amanda, why do you think there's such a huge disconnect between the generations, even though we borrow from one another? I mean, older people have to adapt to young people's stuff. And I definitely know the young people uh, borrow from the older generation, especially when it comes to music and movies. Um, I think that for the older people, it just has to do with being set in your ways and um, not being willing to embrace a new way of doing things, whether it be, you know, uh, smartphones or um, learning how to use a computer or whatever it may be. I mean, you you hear it all the time. Like, you hear the uh, consumer cellular um, TV commercials where they're talking about they just want a regular flip phone. They don't want the smartphone. And, you know, which I realize they're trying to appeal to a specific demographic, but that's just an example of older people not being willing to adapt to the changing technology. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing like, you know, I watched Judge Judy and I laughed for she'll talk about, you know, her trying to work on her iPad or something or not knowing how to use a computer. And I, I have certain people in my family who have struggled or they, they just won't even attempt, so... I think I think with older people it's just a matter of stubbornness and being stuck in their ways. With younger people, I think Eminem basically he said one thing that I was thinking when um he was talking about just kids, the younger generation just being used to everything being like a quick sound bite. So basically if you have to take the time to learn how to do something where a lot of times an older person if you're teaching me whatever your specialty is, you're not going to show me a shortcut. You're going to teach me the right way. Now, right. we might get into shortcuts later, but you're going to show me from beginning to end because I need to understand why it's done this way or what the result is when you do it this way, whether it be cooking, whether it be um, whatever your trade is, whatever it is. There's, you, you, you teach somebody the basics and you try to take them along, but the younger generation doesn't have the patience for it because they're used to everything being quick, fast, right here. Oh, why do I need to learn? Why do I need to know Michael Jordan's stats? Why do I need to know? Uh, mm-hmm. Why do I need to watch the whole game when it's going to be on ESPN? Like the little, you know, uh, True. highlights of the game. So I think that as adults or as an older generation, we're getting to be a more mature generation. We can teach our kids by by helping them have a have a love for learning and education early, so that they have a passion for something, whether it's just sports, whether it's music, whatever it is, and making them whatever whatever their passion is, helping them cultivate that, and even making them do reports on it. Or, okay, son, you're really into football. Well, tell me, you know, tell me this stat, or tell me this, or tell me this, and write a report and help me understand why this person is considered this. Right. And I think I think that can can go a long way because that person won't they'll they'll if certain information they'll retain and they'll have a passion for actually learning about things. So 
I mean, I really think Eminem was on to something when he was talking about the little, you know, just the quick information. So, you know, great show. Enjoyed everybody and hope everybody has a great night. Thank you, ma'am. And, Ray, I'll let you chime in as as far as, uh, you know, final thoughts and why do you think there's a big disconnect between the generations, even though we borrow from one another? Um, I think a lot of it is uh, is jealousy, too. You know, the older generation feel like, you know, they work harder for things versus the younger generation kind of having things given to them a little bit, so... You know, it, it does have some truth to it, but at the same time, you know, it, it's it's probably harder to do certain things now because it's more competition. You know, people look at, oh, well, you know, more people going to college, more people doing this, doing that. But at the same time, it's more competition. See, back in the day, if you went to college, you know, you can counting your head how many people in your family actually went, you know, versus now all your cousins going and all your friends going and, you know, your girlfriends and everything going to college. So it's it's a totally different thing. But as far as, you know, the the gaps between younger and older, it all just comes down to respect. I think that the older generations have spent more time listening to the younger generation and the younger generations will spend more time listening to the older generation because if you don't know your history, it's going to be a problem sooner or later. So you don't necessarily have to, you know, do what the other side is doing, but at the same time you can listen and everybody can take a little bit from the younger generation and the old generation. So, you know, it, it, it's a great topic because it would have been nice if we could have had a, a, a older person on that could really talk a little bit and a younger person on that could talk a little bit and we could, you know, come, yeah. come together because we somewhere in the middle, you know. But great show. Look forward to the next one. And ready uh, for some zone cover. Thank you, sir. And Eminem? Oh, man, great show, uh, great change of pace on the topics. You know, we winding down the year and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, uh, the last day of Sagittarius. So, you know, um, uh, you know, great way to end everything. Well, I don't know the calendar change, so shit, this might be this. Yeah, I think Capricorn season started. This Capricorn started, yeah. Oh, okay, shit. I don't, man, see, that's a generation thing there. They changed that a couple of years ago. But, uh, um, <laughs> um, man, I, 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 you know, I, I like all the points. Um, but uh, uh, one of the best points is what uh, one of the things Ray was saying about you know the history to not see like what a lot of young cats don't understand is that everybody's talking to you is not trying to run your life. They, you know, people are not humbling anymore. You know, I'm talking about, like, our generation now. Nobody's just going to come out like the generation before us. They'll just come out and tell you straight up, nah, man, I, I messed up, I screwed up, I fucked up. Now, with us, the Xers, nobody's going to say it like that. They just, like, you know, they'll just try to tell you something like, hey, man, let me talk to you for a second. Man, you know, I don't think you should be doing that. They ain't going to just tell you that, you know, 
yeah, I fucked up and, and shit like that. And, you know, so, and, and I guess it's kind of, it's kind of perturbing because it's like you can see so many people going in the wrong direction when they don't have to, you know. Yeah, you know, I mean, I understand everybody got to, you know, you know, find their own path, but at the same time, you know, everybody shouldn't, you know, go off a cliff before somebody can say, hey, it's a cliff right there, so, you know, go ahead and stop the car before you go off of it. And I think that's a lot of the frustration that's being felt educationally, definitely. Um, it's like um, some of the things I don't understand is like um, the, the 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 some of the some of the issues now are just as bad. Now I take that back, even worse than it was when uh, we was a certain age. Like with all the technology and all the information and all the openness, why is there still such a high level of teen pregnancy, a high level of STDs, and, you know, just certain things should have been almost eradicated, you know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. um, that that's something in the generation gap I wanted to throw out there that is like, uh, I remember being a kid and uh, back in my hometown for a long time, they had like a little um, drug chain called uh, Rick something, I, I forgot, it, it was that I can't think of the name of. Anyway, they had like the shit like condoms and Playboy books. All that shit would be behind the counter, like off kind of concealed. I mean, you know, kids don't have to go through all that. I mean, anybody can just walk anywhere and, uh, uh, you know, get a prophylactic or uh, uh, there's nothing to talk about certain things. Um, you know, they basically saying everything but MF now on the radio. So, I mean, it's, stuff is so open, but to see some of the same mistakes being made for no reason other than just lack of knowledge is just kind of mind-boggling, you know, especially with, uh, uh, you know, STDs and uh, the the amounts of, uh, you know, teen pregnancies and just, just that kind of stuff. Uh, and that's what, if any young people are listening, I think that's the main thing that a lot of people would like to share with you guys. It's like nobody's trying to run your life, but nobody don't want to see you fuck up. You see what I'm saying? You know, just like financially, I always tell my kids, you know, of course, you know, um, most people don't listen to their parents and shit no more. So, but Mm -hmm. I tell them, I say, well, look, man, you know, I'm probably, you know, and they'll tell you, I'm probably one of the smartest guys you ever want to meet. But at the same time, I tell them all the time, I say, look, I got more kids than I can afford at a young age. So I put myself behind the eight ball. You see what I'm saying? I yeah. said, well, listen, if you go ahead and, you know, stay focused and and, 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 and don't do all that until you can actually ready for that, you're going to have a, a better life financially anyway, you know. But when you see people just repeat that, I mean, see, that's the thing about it. You, you're saying that shit because you don't want everybody to repeat the same shit. And that's the mm-hmm. stuff that, uh, you know, our, our forefathers said stuff too. And a lot of times it went out the other year, but I guess well, at least we faked it like we was listening, you know. Mm-hmm. These little punks out here now, it's like, shit, man, you start talking like that, motherfuckers be looking at you like, you know, especially if you're a teacher or something, they looking at you like, man, you a pussy and shit. Like, man, I take my shoe off and wear your motherfucking ass out one hand tied behind my back. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but I'm just saying, you know, it's like nobody don't know how to interpret stuff. And I think, it, it, like I say, it's always been like a, 
a sense of each generation thinking they harder than the other one. I mean, that's just some that's something that ain't gonna change. But I really think now it's a problem, though. I think it now it's a little bit past the ego thing. I think it, I think now there's a serious need for people to kind of listen. You know, um, like a lot of kids don't even know who Ben Carson is, and the reason I say that is because you know a lot of the kids who come from certain circumstances don't realize that some of the people they see now that are successful in their career and everything else also came from, you know, situations not so good all the time, socially or, or, or you know, economically, whatever, but they don't take the time to even care about that kind of shit. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like it's hard to inspire somebody. So when you can't inspire somebody, it's almost like it's almost like you're doing everything in vain. You know, I think the generation before us, you know, they couldn't save all of us or nothing like that, but I still think that they have some type of resolve, like, well, hey, you know, you know, this kid went on to be this, this this person went on to do this. Yeah, we lost a few of them, but this one went on to do this. That's not necessarily the conversation no more. Now you're seeing people saying, you know, shit, I remember talking to 10 of them boys 10 years ago, now all 10 of them in jail. You're hearing more shit like that. Um and it's really discouraging to, you know, a lot of people who really try to, you know, persuade kids and stuff like that. Uh, and, but like I say, I'm not saying that's everybody. But now one of the great things I'm going to say, because I know this buzz is about to go off, but one of the great Boy. things I'm going to say <laughs> about the, uh, the new generation, I mean, this is the absolute the best generation to come up in as far as certain things. Um I mean the, the 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 porn now is just phenomenal. I mean, shit in HD. You know, we came up on shit. You know, the the shit was all fuzzy and dubbed and all this kind of stuff. And you know, uh, you know, uh, people, you know, rewinding the shit and the tape winding down into the VCR and you know, people stealing and, and you know, overpriced and stuff. And you know, nobody can't afford nothing and. You know, people, shit, trying to rob people for it and all that kind of stuff. I mean, just the, the little things that used to be a big deal is just really no big deal no more. And that's, you know, that's, that's, it's funny because it's just like, you know, shit, it should be more straight men now than ever been. But uh, and that's a conversation for a different time. But uh, great show, man, great show, uh, great topic. And for the people tuning in, that's why y'all need to put the, Talk to Q Show on your damn calendar for 2016 because this show has no category. You don't know what the hell we're going to be talking about. You just have to tune in. You know, come out that damn chat room. That's fine, but we want to hear some of y'all. You know, I, I, you know, shit. We like to mix it up sometimes. We like heated conversations. Uh, Harry Thugman, I'm calling you out. Call back in sometime. You know, hmm. all these people in the past that, you know, kind of had some passion, you know. There's nothing wrong with passion, you know, but that's a generational thing, too. See, like, uh, the older the cats is, the, the more they like to talk shit. Younger cats, you get to talking shit good. These motherfuckers putting out pistols and shit, man. Like, damn, sure. and they, they're serious, man, you know. All right. Uh, I appreciate that, Eminem. And Buck, shut it down, man. Wow, great show. Uh, Love the change of pace. I mean, we had there's a lot of, you know, we talked to, you know, we talked about a lot of good things tonight. I left out Tina Marie too. I was gonna say when yeah, Tina said Rick James, I had to put Tina Marie in. Oh there yeah, yeah, they, they go hand in hand, man. <laughs> to me, Tina Marie, I'm with Pat Mayo. 
So <laughs> I, 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 you know, Tina Marie one of the all time greats. I put her above Mariah Carey. Damn all the bullshit. But anyway, um, yeah. great They're show tonight. Mm-hmm. Great show tonight. And it's just <laughs> awesome to talk about so many different things. And you know, the, as far as disconnect go, I mean, everybody had great points on it. I mean, you pretty much hit it on the head. Um, but you know, it, I won't add to it because everything that was said, I was going to say at least in, in some shape or form. So I'll just let, let it be. But what we need to do really is kind of take a back-to-basic approach. You know, you know, the younger generation got to start listening to the older generation. Um, and if they don't have people, they need to seek out people that are older than what they may have in their family, um, simply because they may not be there. You know, if they got uncles and dads that are just in their early 20s, then they need to seek out people that are, you know, that are older so therefore they can, you know, try to learn some things or listen to their instructors or coaches or whoever they may be, you know, that they are influenced by or could be, you know, be they're teaching them. I mean, they need to take, you know, take heed to some of the things that they're saying because, you know, the ones that are in those positions are the ones that have been there and done that. And they need to, you know, they could, you know, take some good things you know, and apply it to their daily lives, vice versa. I mean, we can still learn some things from some of the younger ones, too. Um, I think our generation has shown that, you know, we can adapt. I mean, we've come up in a time where we went from no sale devices, no, you know, we went from no sale devices, no pages or any of that stuff. No, And some of them, you know, now you see, you know, not even computers. Now we've got computers and cellular devices and Pages are no longer in existence and those kind of things. But we've learned to adapt and add to what we're doing versus the younger generations where they just don't know how to separate to, you know, where it enhances, enhances life instead of becoming the deterrent to life. And I think that's where, the you know, some of that disconnect is. I think we need to get back to a back-to-basic approach and try to, so that way there can be some separation between devices and really living. You know, I'd much rather call somebody, even though I have the ability to text, I'd much rather call somebody because it's more personal than Facebook and a text. It just makes better sense to me. I know a lot of people say they don't have enough time, but you got enough time for a 30-second call. If you can text, you got enough time to call. That's the way I look at it. So some of the back-to-basic approach to some of these things, can get us kind of back to where we're starting to listen to each other and kind of utilize each other, you know, in a way to where we can, you know, bounce off each other as a soundboard and, you know, be able to pass some, some unique and th- some unique things down to some of this younger generation that they can actually apply. But great show and uh, Merry Christmas to everybody and Happy Holidays and Kwanzaa and all that other stuff and everybody have a great night. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. And uh, just so you know, tomorrow, uh, there's not going to be a live show tomorrow. I thought about doing zone coverage, but I think I'm going to go ahead and take advantage of the day off. And uh, I'm going to air a podcast tomorrow at 10 p.m. Eastern. So check that out. A couple of show legends talking about relationships, Buck and uh, Robin, one half of the former group, the Cocktails and Conversations Diva. So that'll be tomorrow. Next Tuesday, uh, Mary LaBelle returns. So that means we're going to talk about sex, part 16. 
will be <laughs> next Tuesday. Let's talk about sex, and she'll be joined by Fallon J, aka Thundercat, who was one half of my very first guest back in episode two out of Houston. She's coming back on, and she has a very filthy mouth. So that should be interesting. That's next Tuesday. Um, as far as generation gaps, I will say this. When it comes to dancing, huge difference because I feel like all the people who, all these guys now that are like doing the nay nay and the quad, I, I just feel like you're you're doing a, a, a woman's dance. It just looks so feminine to me. When you're holding your hands a certain way and looking all prissy and cute and stuff, that just looks feminine to me. I just That's just my personal opinion. So when you see somebody in skinny jeans and they're standing on their tiptoes with their with their hands <laughs> held down like they're getting a manicure, I just that yeah. just just screams hey. uh so hey, the ultimate side. Hey Q, the ultimate man dance, man, is uh between Michael Jackson and then what T O did uh when he looks down at the end of the That's one of my favorite he just looked down and he would just yeah that was that's one of my favorites yeah yeah he had his tongue out and shit man that's yeah so yeah, yeah. But I'm you, just you saying do. if you I've I've <laughs> yet to seen I've yet to see the Nene or the or someone doing the Quan and look masculine I'm just I'm just saying all right so my thanks to yeah uh, everybody being raised by women they don't they don't understand what it is I know like it. At school, man, I'm seeing dudes and shit. I mean, I go inside one of my kids' head. They walk around with, like, uh, not only pink book bags, but, like, little kid pink. You know, like, little girl shit on them. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I I know a guy. Now, who, I, you know, like I say, it, it's different for the, if you're doing something like, I guess, trying to make a statement for, you know, breast cancer awareness or something like that, but this is, like, year-round. and It, it ain't I a know certain a guy thing, who's you know? 19 years old and... Yeah, I mean, to my knowledge, he's 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 straight, but he has a a Hello Kitty little knapsack thing, and I, yeah, I I don't get it. I just yeah, no. I'm not, and then people are gonna say, well, you're not comfortable in your sexuality, blah blah blah, and I I feel like me being uncomfortable with certain things makes me comfortable in my sexuality. If my sexuality is to be a man, then anything that kind of skews that line, you know. Because yeah, I'm saying, uh-huh. not only is this shit feminine, man, it's damn near pedophilic or some shit. I'm like, man, what the fuck? You know, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But, uh, all right, but my, my thanks to my show legends. Uh, Facebookers, thanks for participating. The upcoming show schedule can be found at TalkToQ.com. If you want to hear previous shows, then subscribe to me on iTunes at Stitcher Radio and get caught up. Uh, Stay on the line if you want to talk sports with some zone coverage. Everyone else, Merry Christmas and peace out. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? All right, that's all we need. Time to kick this off. We are already late. (laughs) All right, so... Looking at the games for this week, uh, I mean, the playoff picture is really starting to shape up a little bit. But uh, just about all of our teams, aside from Buck, um, has been knocked out of the playoffs. The Eagles are still mathematically in it. Um, yeah, so, all we have to do is win out. So, um, yeah. 
But we'll we'll talk about our teams first, and then we'll get into some of the main matchups. And Ray, the Chargers visit Oakland. Uh, you are a six and eight man trying to finish at five hundred. Even though I think that the Chargers, you know, are, are four and ten, they're still a pretty good team. This is still a division game. Now you all are minus five uh, playing this game. This is going to be tomorrow night. Uh, how do you feel about going up against San Diego and moving to seven to eight, possibly? Uh, I think it's very possible for us to do it, but we just have to do what we have to do, man. I mean, we had a lot of games that we was in. We had a lot of games that we could have won. I mean, easily four games that we could have won. But we made bad decisions at the end of the game, and, you know, they even bust the lead open and stuff like that. So we have to keep Phillip Rivers in front of us. Phillip Rivers is a quarterback who everybody kind of sleeps on, but He's right there with all the big-name quarterbacks when you look at everything that he does. So, I mean, they got hot this week. I forgot who, who San Diego beat, but they, they was all right. But uh, who they beat week, last week? Yeah, last week. Uh, they beat week. the Dolphins. The Dolphins started the 14. Yeah, yeah, Danny Woodhead yeah, went out. Yeah, that's right. They beat the Dolphins. Now, I mean, I think that – we are a better football team. We just have to go out and we have to prove it. I think for a while, that, and you can't really blame the team for that, but, you know, we had a little success and we're doing a lot better. Although we haven't won a lot more games than we won last year, everybody can see that the players are a lot better. We had some stars. We had some, uh, some franchise players. We had some cornerstones. So, we we we're on the right track. We just have to stay focused. And you know, some guys, you know, once you get a big win like like we did with Denver, you know, I guess you know guys must have celebrated and you know they, they read the newspapers and listening to you know talk radio and stuff like that. And I believe that they don't come bring that same effort the next week. So. Although we won't make the playoffs, which, you know, everybody, even they should have knew it because there's no way in hell Kansas City was going to lose out and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So it, it, it was it's going to be hard for them. So we knew that already. So I think that we can just set out the season, get an 8-8, eight and eight, get a couple of more draft picks, one or two free agents, and uh-huh. I think we definitely will be in the playoffs next year. Okay, I can see that for sure. And um, I think um, another thing, um, what you call it, uh, what you call it, Charles Wilson announced his retirement. Uh, For some reason, I figured he was going to play one more season. But um, now he's going to hang it up, and he's had a Hall of Fame career, and I think he's going to walk right in. One of my favorite players coming out of Michigan, and – the great and the pros as well. So congratulations to what would sure be a Hall of Fame entry five years from now to Charles Woodson. All right, and Eminem, big game for you all. Seven and seven Redskins, six and eight Eagles. If you win, you're tied with the Redskins uh, for first place and gives you an opportunity to win that division. Minus three is the point spread 
Uh, Philly is minus three. Um, coming off that game against the Cardinals, man, when you all looked horrible at home, what did you expect going up against Washington, who looks pretty good? Well, uh, I'm I'm so glad that uh, this game is against a division rival. Uh, we we tend to play, you know, more spirited, uh, like you know. But um, it's I don't know. Uh, I, I'm I'm still kind of shaking my head from Sunday's game. I mean, now I'm I'm not shocked that we lost to Arizona, but I'm shocked at certain things about the game. Um, I wasn't even familiar with the running back Johnson. Uh, uh, yeah, the, you know the shit he was doing. I was just like, is this guy this good or what? I, you know, I, I never really, you know, knew much about him. And then the, you know, the stuff I've been, you know, complaining about all year with Demarco Murray and you know, and it's fourth and one, and you know, you paying the the last year's top rusher you know, all this money, and then the dude don't give a two carries, I think, and, you know, fourth and one, you don't even attempt to do it with him. I mean, you know, so I don't know. Uh, uh, the Redskins, we, we got a great chance of beating them, um, you know, because they kind of weak on special teams. And, you know, we we pretty much that's our strongest point of the season really has been special teams. So um, I got a good feeling we'll win that game. But, um, but I'm trying to – Trying to kind of had a, I'm trying to forget Sunday's game, so I'll be more optimistic about Saturday. But uh, um, I, I think you know, I think we'll come out a lot stronger against the Redskins. Number one, just simply because of the Redskins, more so than the playoff implications. But uh, but Cousins, um, I'm I'm going to have to start giving him a lot more credit than I was prior to the season starting. You know, I, I kind of thought he was a quarterback that was a you know, two game, three game guy, and then he'll start looking like a backup. But he's starting to look like, like he's saying, "This is my team." He's starting to play like that. So hopefully Saturday he won't play like that. But uh, uh, I, I gotta, you know, for what he's earned, I have to, you know, give him more credit. He's, you know, actually looking like a a uh, franchise quarterback for the Redskins. So. Uh, okay. But uh, you know, hopefully he won't play that well Saturday. But uh, uh, but I, I I really feel good about Saturday. You know, uh, I forgot who we play after them, but Saturday I feel good about it. All right. Um, as far as who you all play afterwards, uh, you all are playing the Giants, and the Giants are playing against um, the Vikings, and we'll get to that in a little bit because that's an important game, and they're going to be in a very important man down. Um, but the, the Steelers, 9-5, and five, go up against the lowly 4-10 Ravens. And even though this is a division game, man, you all are minus 10 and a half, and I don't expect this to be a contest. Uh, you know, this is a division game, and for some unknown reason, the Ravens always play us tough. Uh, we lost at home against these clowns, but they had a whole lot more of an arsenal then. Um, this time, it's, we're going to go to their place, and I think we're going to stomp a mud hole in them, simply because this is, you know, the Steelers are starting to do something that I haven't seen them do in the last couple of years, and that's beat teams they're supposed to beat and beat them badly. Um, I don't want them to get, you know, too complacent because you can make mistakes against a division rival and lose. 
But this is, you know, to me, I think this is a statement game, not because they're the Ravens, but simply because we need to make a statement to the rest of the National Football League that if you play us, that you're going to put up the points. But also the defense step, will step up as well. Um, we're kind of that second-half team. If we make mistakes in the first half, we shut you down in the second half. Um, we shut Denver down to 56 total yards in the second half where they score whooped us in the first. So, you know, we have a team that's capable of coming back. Um, we have a team that can put points on the board and hold the lead. And the defense has shown more than just flashes of, you know, you know being able to be resilient. You know, we just got to put it all together and stay consistent. And uh, this is, you know, the Ravens will bring their best regardless of who they have on the football field because, it's, you know, it's a Harbaugh coach team. And John Harbaugh has, you know, always brought a good team to the field. They just had a bunch of injuries this year. But we just have to go out there and, you know, make sure no mistakes and go out there and play air-free football, and we should be able to win the game with no problem. Okay. Should be an interesting game. Um to start, I just think y'all are probably going to run off with it, even though it is a division game. Let's see. Dallas plays Buffalo, 4-10 and 10, Dallas against 6-8 and eight Buffalo. Neither team is playing for anything postseason related. Dallas will be starting um, – Dallas will be starting um, Kellen Moore at quarterback. And even though he made plenty of mistakes last Saturday, I was happy just to see him throwing the ball downfield. Because uh, that's just something Dallas is not doing a lot of with Matt Castle, who's averaging about six yards a throw. Uh, Kellen Moore is getting the ball downfield, even though it is going to the wrong player. But um, I give him a pass on that because he is a young guy. Uh, this is a guy who's only been in the league for this is his fourth season, but that was the first game he actually ever played in. So uh, he's essentially a rookie as far as being on the field with his play. But um, I do like the fact that they're giving him a shot these last couple of games in the season. You look towards the draft and go into next season, try to get some people healthy, get Skandrick back, get Bryant back at 100%, get Romo back at 100%, and then try to do something in the draft or free agency to get some depth there. If that means bringing in a Johnny Manziel uh, or something like that, then so be it. At this point, I'm a little desperate, and I'll take what I can get. So, uh, but I expect Buffalo to win this game because I just think they're better uh, with the deep ball. Sammy Watkins has been killing it lately. I don't know if y'all have seen um, his numbers over the last few weeks, but Sammy Watkins has really been getting it done lately in Buffalo. And Tyrod Taylor is looking pretty good. And I really wanted Buffalo to make the playoffs, but unfortunately they're going to be sitting out this year. So, all right, so some big games that we got going on uh, – this weekend aside, we mentioned Washington and Philly, which is a big game despite the records. We mentioned that. The Patriots and the Jets. And Ray, uh, the Patriots are 12-2. and two. They can really hurt the Jets by winning this game because the Jets aren't necessarily a lock for the playoffs yet, if I'm mistaken. I think the Jets um, right now are on the outside looking in behind um, Pittsburgh and Kansas City. So the Jets have to win in order to keep their playoff hopes alive. Um, a loss from them and wins by Kansas City and Pittsburgh, and they're done. Oh, yeah. I, I had Jets as a team that, that's going to be out. I mean, I, I think it's, it's going to be Pittsburgh and Kansas City. You know, Jets are a team that just seems unstable. I know that uh, 
Fitzpatrick, he's been doing an excellent job. But, you know, it just seems like they're missing something to really get them over that hump of have some success in the playoffs. But, you know, they just need to just, uh, they just have to get it together. I mean, they they playing the best they can under circumstances with, with the team and the talent that they had. They have the running back, good wide receivers. The quarterback is playing well. Defense is playing well. But, I mean, they came about as far as you expect them to come, and that's coming close to making the playoffs. But it's possible for them to run the table, but I don't think they'll beat New England. I don't know who else they had to play, but New England is going to stop them, so that's enough to knock them off right there. Yeah. Um, even though it's going to be in at the MetLife Stadium, and they have the Buffalo Bills left in Buffalo, and Rex Ryan is going to want to ruin their season too. So they got it pretty tough going down the stretch. But they have got to find a way to beat New England just to stay in the hunt. Because if I they think, lose, uh, and they get, New England's going to risk their starters. Y'all heard that? And even yeah, if they do, I, do, I mean, yeah. you know, do they have the offense to still beat New England? I mean, yeah. I don't know if Belichick – Belichick may not care if they get in or not. You know, I'm pretty sure he wants to knock them out. So you, you, uh, you, don't, you don't think the Jets can – can have a chance to beat New England without the New England starter? If Tom Brady doesn't play, he's the only one that doesn't have to play. If Tom Brady doesn't play, the New the Jets have a chance. Which I think they I'm, have a, I'm assuming, a chance regardless. Uh, I'm assuming that's I mean, the main one they're talking about is, is Tom. And, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, they only lost Bronson. by a touchdown. Yeah, they only Bronson, lost, lost by a touchdown in New England. So they're not afraid of New England by any means. If, if Brady doesn't play, yeah, I think the Jets can win this game. Yeah. For sure, so. Because uh, that's what I was going to say, that, that it makes the game that more more uh, concerning for Pittsburgh and Kansas City if that happens because where they will be a lock to pretty much lose the game with Brady and Grunt. But if they sitting, well, that kind of changed the equation that the Jets possibly got a great, better, much better chance of winning. Yeah. You know, which means they can't lay an egg Sunday. Especially Not at Pittsburgh, because Baltimore always going to play them hard. So, you know, uh, even though Pittsburgh, you know, should be the favorites to win that game with the injuries Baltimore have, but you never know. Yeah. So, uh, that's going to be interesting. I'm going to check that game out for sure. Uh, Carolina, 14-0 against the Falcons. Uh, the Falcons, um, if I'm not mistaken, are eliminated. After a very good start, they just haven't done anything since. Carolina's minus seven. And even though this is a division game on the road, yeah, Carolina has to be careful, but they're more than capable of beating the Falcons. But they do have to kind of watch themselves and hope Devontae Freeman doesn't return back to week two form because that dude was putting up some big numbers before he got hurt. So should be an interesting game. Um, Green Bay ten and four against the Cardinals twelve and two, and uh, two teams with twenty two wins between them. And uh, right now, what's at stake is the Arizona's holding that number two spot at twelve and two. Green Bay is in the number three spot now. Green Bay is still two games out, but if they can beat Arizona in this game and then Arizona loses the last game and Green Bay wins, then all of a sudden. They have a first round by Green Bay and home field 
throughout the playoffs unless they meet Carolina. So uh, nobody wants pretty to go game. to Green Bay in January, right? And Ray, the Cardinals are are minus four and a half, man. Um, I actually like the Cardinals at home, but I mean they lost a honey badger this week, man. I think that's really going to hurt them. Uh, yeah, it's gonna hurt them, but um, I think that they they can still get the win because um, Green Bay has really looked like Green Bay for the last seven weeks now. I know they they won games, so they lost like three in a row, and they haven't been right since. They just kind of, you know, they got the hail mary, and you know they beat us Sunday, and you know they they're a good team, but they're not the same Green Bay they were when they had Jordy Nelson and. A couple of other guys healthy and Eddie Lacy running like he was in a contract year, and mm-hmm. he just don't have that right now. So I think Arizona can win the game and will win it. Okay, but give me a reason why uh, Green Bay can go on the road and win this one. I can't give you one because it's not going to happen. <laughs> I, I just don't at this point. I just don't see it. Now, if you'd ask me that. Three or four, three or four weeks ago, I would have said. You know, well, actually, seven or eight weeks ago, I would have said yes. But at this point, I just don't because I just don't see enough consistency. Now, you know, the coach making the making the calls makes a makes a huge difference because now, I mean, to me, it seems like they're you know they're doing doing great, you know, better things, and you know, the play is more consistent. But uh, I just have to see it on you know. It, it's just I got to see a little bit more. Than what I've been seeing, so I just don't know if they can pull it off. Now, if they were playing at home, I would say yes, but they're not, so I just don't see it happening. Okay, and um, it'll be a big t- monumental task for sure uh, to see what happens. But all right, Eminem, I mentioned the Giants will be traveling to Minnesota to play the nine and five Viking. The Giants have to win in order to keep their playoff hopes alive. But they're going to be down um, one Odell Beckham. And, guys, all of us can chime in on this if you want. Odell Beckham, man, Josh Norman really got into that dude's head. And it was like Josh Norman was kind of out of control for a moment, too. But then he kind of calmed down and chilled out. And then Odell Beckham was still just going at him, man. I mean, Eminem, you can talk about that real quick if you want. But, I mean, can the Giants go up there – without Odell Beckham and have a legitimate chance of beating the Vikings because they're to the point now with Hakeem Nixon, you know, he's on his last leg. Victor Cruz is hurt. They might sign Amani Tuma and Ike kill you to a contract. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I don't really think Odell Beckham uh, playing will have that much impact on um, their game in, 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 in Minnesota, actually, uh, because of the style, you know, um, Minnesota's not gonna, you know. I mean, you know, even if even if they got the ups, they're not gonna put the foot on the gas to, you know, to to make it come down to uh, some kind of five touchdown turnaround uh, game by Eli. I mean, it's, it's not gonna be that kind of game. So, um, other than that, I think he'll be greatly missed. You know, um, uh, for the situation itself, you know, I'm glad he got suspended because you know, you know. It, if it was a, a, a defensive player, even in the the, uh, the moment of a play, 
you know, I done seen defensive players get, you know, penalized, fined, or whatever. And, um, you know, it's just like, you know, uh, now don't get me wrong, uh, Norman, you know, you know, he did different things and all that, but uh, nothing to the magnitude of a, of a clear dead ball foul that could have been serious, you know. We're not talking about some quick little rabbit punches, you know, in your stomach or mm-hmm. pushing somebody or something like that. We're talking about, uh, you know, leading with the top of your head to the side of your helmet. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, that kind of stuff could get serious. And we're talking about, you know, superior athletes. So, I mean, you know, you know, hell, uh, uh, I just, you know, watched the thing on uh, uh, Chucky Mullins where uh, one of the guys that do some of our T-shirts for the team, his son got the award back in 05, and, you know, we were just, you know, looking at, you know, some of the stuff, and that's the first thing I thought about when I saw that. I was like, damn, I was just looking at, um, you know, the, you know, remembering how it was with Chucky Mullins, even though that was in the field of play in totally, totally different circumstances. Mm-hmm. But that's how serious it could have been. And uh, I thought also thought back to the um, – the Detroit player back in the you know late eighties that you know uh, on the kick return uh, you know end up getting paralyzed and all that kind of stuff. So you know you would hate to see something like that you know forbid that would have happened, but that's how serious it could have been. So that was you know that was my my field on the whole thing. You know it wasn't just the the stuff like what happened between uh, Andre Johnson and um, damn what's this other dude name. Um, with Tennessee that year. Courtney Finnegan. Courtney Finnegan, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, this was a whole different thing, you know. Um, it, it's that, it's that could have, you know, it's almost like there's unsportsmanlike stuff and then there's stuff that, that, that whether it it's was dirty. meant or not meant to be could have been really bad. So, you know, yeah, they had to put their foot down on his ass. I mean, you know, you 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 messing with people over dogs and strip clubs, so hell, shit, yeah. You know, he had to get suspended. You know, based on that, he had to. Um, now, will it impact the game? I seriously doubt it. If 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 um, if some kind of way Teddy Bridgewater can muster four touchdowns, and that's definitely not what they used to in that style of offense, uh, the Giants don't have a chance. But now if they kind of can contain Adrian Peterson, which I doubt, but if they can do that and just kind of keep the game kind of ugly, well, you know, the Giants always always have been a team that can, you know, maul you and pull something out at the end and, you know, kick a field goal and all that kind of stuff, you know. So it, it, it's not impossible, but I really don't look for the Giants to win. I mean, that's even if they had Beckham. If they I, had I Beckham, I think they can at least score some points. But I don't even look for. Oh yeah, they could, they could, than, but I don't. More than know. sixteen points against that Vikings defense about Beckham. Yeah, yeah. So, so Ray, um, is is it time for Tom Coughlin to go? Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I was a fan of Tom Coughlin for a long time. He got him two Super Bowls. Anytime you beat Bill, Bill Belichick twice, you know, you, you got to at least have some Hall of Fame consideration if not in the Hall of Fame. But the decisions that they made this year, either him or Eli has to take responsibility for him. And since he's the head coach, he has to take responsibility for him. I mean, even what happened on Sunday 
with Odell Beckham. At least you should have pulled the guy out of the game and let him shell himself down. Then at least yeah. not them clowning and acting a fool like that. I understand that, um, you know, it, it's a lot of aggression in the game. And, you know, when I was younger, I, I used to act like that on the field, too. But at the same time, I was a lot younger and a, and a lot different, lot lower levels. And you not paid. And not paid exactly. And not being a role model and all this other kind of stuff. But at the same time, you know, for you to be a head coach who was a no-nonsense head coach, because, you know, if you ever watched Strayhan's football life and all that, he said, you know, how he couldn't stand Coughlin when they first got together and all that because yeah. Coughlin was particular for everything. Now, you know, not only did the NFL not do anything about Beckham, but the coaching staff didn't do anything about Beckham, and it could have really got out of hand. Just like Cubs was saying, if he would have caught him with that flying elbow, whatever he threw, he could have really – you know, he could have really did some damage with that. And, you know, that's why they say in one game, really, for everything he does, he should have got more than one game. Yeah. And, you know, I'm all for the aggression of the game, but at the same time, you have to be sensible, too, because he could have took that guy out. What's the penalty for that? Okay, yeah. you got a guy that's a round draft pick looking at 12 to $15 million a season. You take his career from under him. Could he turn around and sue you for this? $65 million? It should be like that. Yeah. Maybe far enough if, if you're allowed to do that. So, you know, Coughlin, he, he's I, – I thought he looked like he was 70 years ago or stuff. I don't know how old he is now. I think he's late 60s, but he's been looking like an old man for a while. But He looked like a I wet possum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's 69 years old. Hey, he hey, hey guys, you, you, you know something I, I heard? Uh, I, I can't remember what show it was on, but it was just kind of like I just shook my head, man. Um, some lady was saying how she she won't be looking at him the same no more. Um, you know, you know, all the kids thought it was so cool with the one-handed catches and the Madden stuff. And, man, you hate to see yeah. somebody just, just – just, just looking so good and becoming maybe the next face of the younger generation of players and then, you know, kind of get labeled. And and give know, people even, a reason to say something about them. Right, I'll right. This, I was just like, damn. I'll say this about Odell Beckham. I'll say this. What he did on Sunday, he shouldn't play the rest of the season. Um, anytime you take, you know, you have to – he has a history. When he's not having a good game, he has a history of taking his own stuff out of the game by doing stupid stuff. I mean, he's been punching, punching defensive backs all season. This is not the first time he's done it. It's just that this time, you know, it was on the national stage. And, you know, well, it's actually been on national stage all season because he's been doing it all season. But, you know, to, you know, I, I, I get it. The defensive back shouldn't have picked him up and body slammed his ass on the first damn play of the game. But you have to be able to control yourself. But I thought not only just him, I fought the coaching staff. I fought his other teammates. Nobody got in his face to calm him down. I think I saw one coach get in his face to calm him down, but not a single teammate that you're supposedly your leader of the team, which is Eli Manning, should have come up to him and said, hey, you need to calm yourself down. Get yourself calmed down. Take yourself out a couple of, play, couple of plays and then come back in there with a calmer head. So that shows me that nobody really kind of, there's no leadership on this team. And, yeah. you know, 
Yeah, I know Eli Manning got two Super Bowl rings, but it is your fucking duty. If hey, you see hey, a player bro. out of hand like that, you got to get in his head and say, hey, man, you got to calm yourself down. You cost, you can cost us the game. I, mean, I bet Mike Singletary wanted to deal with that. Team, you, don't have, you can't do that as a leading <laughs> team. If your coach is going to do it, players got to step up. I got a problem with Eli Manning doing that. And I know I talked bad about Peyton, but Peyton would have stepped in and, and would have you know, said something to him. So there's, a lot of, there's, a, there's some bad shit going on in, in New York. Yeah, Mike Singletary want to deal with that shit. He would pull his pants down. <laughs> and so, Buck, does Sean Payton need to go? He doesn't need to go, but he's probably going to end up going. I mean, because I don't think that the Saints organization is smart enough to hold on to him or listen Tyson to say. Just look, look, look what the Saints have done over the last three years. They've getting, gotten rid of some of their marquee players for no reason. I mean, you have you have Jimmy Graham, you can't let him go. When you have you have Darren Sproles, you can't let him go. Essentially, what the Saints are doing is what what the Chargers did a few years ago. And yeah, when you spend that much talent, you're not going to win football games. Now, Sean Payton is doing the best he can with what he has, but in order for Sean Payton to stay in New Orleans. They're gonna to have to give him a little bit more control on, you know, who he brings in to, you know, as far as players that fit his system. Now, if they do that, I think Sean Payton stays. But if he don't, I see him in Miami. I don't see him in Dallas. I think Miami is going to entice him to get. Um, if there's a team that's going to entice him, I think it'd be the Dolphins. So we'll see how it goes. But I think he should stay in New Orleans because I think I think you're starting to see a little bit. That, mm-hmm. You know, they're trying. They're, they're trying to come out of that, come out of that shadow there. So we just it remains to be seen, but it's going to be an interesting offseason in New Orleans. They may end up like San Francisco did last year if he leaves. Mm, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think um, their general manager is the one that needs to go. Uh, I don't think he's really giving them anything, and all the money they pay for C.J. Spiller, and that dude. I mean, when he's healthy, he's just not getting it done. He's by no means a Darren Sproles. But um, a big game coming up on Monday night, which is probably the best Monday night matchup of the year, maybe. Cincinnati 11-3 and and against the Broncos 10-4. and The Broncos are minus three and a half. Uh, this has home field advantage written all over it. Cincinnati wins. They lock up the number two spot at, at worst. They can get the number two spot if they win. Um, if Denver wins, then they take sole possession of second place, and they have the number two spot. And then all of this is contingent on what New England does. New England still has something to play for because if Cincinnati wins and New England loses, then they're tied for at 12-3 and three for that home field advantage for the number one seed. So New England does have to keep that in mind as far as resting their players. But uh, Ray – Cincinnati going into Denver and winning with a backup quarterback against Denver's backup quarterback, who's had a lot more playing time. Um, how do you like this one? Um, I mean, I, I think Denver's going to win the game. I mean, Denver's lost two weeks in a row, so they're going to be kind of hungry. I think they're on the right track. I mean, Brock is is, is their future. I just think he got to get a, a little more experience, 
and mm-hmm. he's making some mistakes that, you know, he may have made in his first, second year if he would have been allowed to play. But overall, if I was in Denver, I would stick with him. And I think that if they stick with him, I think they got more going for themselves than the Spangles do with A.J. McCarron. I mean, McCarron is doing a decent job. He's learning on the job as well. But I just think that Denver has a better team than Cincinnati. All right. And I think Denver can go in and do something. I mean, Cincinnati. I think they have a slight chance if Pac-Man was playing, but I don't think he's going to be back. Um, I don't a lot of Pac- a lot of people a lot of people um uh didn't you know you know I guess because of previous off field issues and stuff they don't you know haven't really talked about what kind of year he had prior to his injury man but you know he was he was actually uh uh you know doing it up you know and uh, actually he was still doing good in, on special teams as well you know like he's pretty much always done. And it really impacted uh, uh, a, a, a lot of the the uh, offensive strategies, you know, going against Cincinnati. Uh, but without Pac-Man and Denver's defense going against uh, McCarron's, man, that's that's gonna be a miracle. I look, I look, I look for Denver to flatline uh, the Bengals. <laughs> I mean, shit, they. Uh, that's gonna be rough, because hmm. you know, I, I don't think it's gonna come down to the the the, who, the best quarterback play of the back, of the backups. I think it's gonna come down to you know who has the most dominating defense that night, and you know more than likely, like I said, it should be the uh, the Broncos. You would think. All right. So. Okay. So. Uh, let's see. That's pretty much all the big games. Uh, no other major games, I guess, going on. Just uh, games that may have some implications on the draft. Uh, I mean, of course, the Jaguars game is important for them um, against the Saints because they're still trying to play for that AFC South division, even at 5-9. and nine. Indianapolis going up against Miami is big because they're playing for the division. Houston at 7-7 seven and seven is playing the Titans. Three and eleven, and if Houston wins, they're pretty much in. So um, that's all they got to do to put away. I really hope. I really wanted the Jaguars to actually make a run at that play, at the playoffs, man, because I'm starting to like to watch them play. Blake Bortles and those guys, like they are kind of coming on pretty good. Got a good young team, and they may just be a couple of playmakers away from being um, really contending from the playoffs. All right, let's get into some who am I. And, uh, man, I'm really not feeling any of these. I'm going to have to look into tomorrow's. Oh, that's a good one. I am a, it's going to be easy, six foot three, 195-pound punter to turn 66 years old today. Yeah, I knew that would be easy. Ray guy out of Southern Mississippi. <laughs> I mean, anytime you bring yeah, up a punter, you pretty much know it's going to be Ray guy. 
And then, and then when first you said six foot three, I said, dog, that's either Ray Guy or Reggie Roby, but nobody really talked about Reggie Roby too much. Right, who was a very good kicker, rest right. his soul. Mm-hmm. Very good kicker. Good. All right. Oh, I'm going to hit y'all with some some tough ones. Oh, okay, here we go, here we go. Ronaldo skis Nehemiah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you blew the dust off of that one. Yeah, he did. All right, here we go. This is a tough one. I am a six foot, two hundred pound wide receiver that turns twenty eight years old today. Drafted in the fourth round in two thousand and eleven by the Jacksonville Jaguars out of Mount Union College. Who I mean is Jimmy Smith. Uh, yeah, I got to think on this. Cecil Shorts? He got Cecil C. Shorts the third. I am a 6'225 pound linebacker, turns 30 years old today, drafted in the first round in 2006, number nine overall, by the Detroit Lions out of Florida State. Who am I? Uh, Ernest, uh, oh, man. Sims? Ernie, Ernie Sims, Sims, the third. Yeah, yeah I'll thirds. Y'all doing pretty well. This is where I'm going to get you, make you think. Six foot two, 262-pound tight end, turns 37 years old today, drafted in the second oh. round, 2001, by the Atlanta Falcons out of North Carolina. Oh, uh, oh, 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 man. Uh, uh, Number yeah, Michael Vick, boy. Um, yeah, uh, Vick's favorite uh, receiver. He went in. Yeah. Uh, oh, damn. 88. 80, um, he went 88. He wasn't 88? Okay, 83. Nope. He was 83. He was 83. Yep. Oh, yep. um, he was Vick's target. His middle name yeah. is Darius, if that helps. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just know him by his last name. His last name seemed like it started with a T. Nope. Uh, but where you at? Yeah, I'm uh, right here, but I can't think of his name. Yeah, you know no, this dude, man. Uh, you know this dude. His name. Number eight. Uh, I know him. I can't think of his name right now. Oh, no, no. You know him, man, because he, 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 he played he, two he, years with Tennessee and finished his career with New England. Yep. Oh, Damn. I cannot think 316 of receptions. I'm sorry, 373 receptions, 4,700 yards, 39 touchdowns. Number 83. Yeah, oh, when you gosh. call his name, they're going to know it. I know right. who he is. Damn. I got brain freeze tonight. I'm, I'm right. looking at this dude. I'm looking at Vic throw the ball to him. Damn. Yeah, he's the only guy he had down there, really. Oh. Man, I hate missing ones that I know, no. Wow. I'm too, but I just can't. Oh, uh, y'all don't know his name. We're talking about Algie Crumpler. Crumpler. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Algernon Darius Crumpler. Hey, do, do, I get a, do I get a quarter of a point for getting his number right, man? You guessed that wrong at first. <laughs> Well, yeah, but I, I, I was saying 88, meaning 83, but yeah. 
I um, am a six foot three, two hundred and fifteen pound quarterback who turns fifty one years old tomorrow. Drafted in nineteen eighty seven, number twenty six overall in the first round by the Chicago Bears out of Michigan. Whoever. Oh, uh, John Harbaugh. Good man. No. It wasn't John Harbaugh. Draft, 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 no, draft uh, what year? You said draft eighty seven. Nineteen eighty seven. John Harbaugh. It wasn't Harbaugh. It was Harbaugh, but it wasn't John Harbaugh. It was Jim Harbaugh. Jim. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Je- James Joseph Harbaugh. Last one. I am a six foot one, two hundred and twenty five pound linebacker. Drafted. I'm sorry. I turned sixty six years old today. Drafted in the second round in 1971 by the Pittsburgh Steelers out of Penn State University. Who I mean is. That's a good one. Jack Ham. What? Jack Raphael Ham Jr. Yes. Oh. All right. So um, they announced the Pro Bowl. I'm trying to find that. Pro Bowl roster. Really, the Packers got three. Oh, I really don't. I, mean, I, I really don't care about, about the Pro Bowl, but, uh, you know. Carolina got ten. Wow. Yeah, they should have. Okay, so let's see who we got. We have, yeah, Carolina had, had ten, which is stupid. I wonder what the record is. But here we go. We got Tom Brady probably, and Cam Newton. Uh, it's probably 11 by the the uh, the 80s 49ers. Yeah. <laughs> they, I know they had that. With right. A lot of <laughs> Your quarterbacks are Tom Brady, Cam Newton, Carson Palmer, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, and Russell Wilson. So I think they got all of those right. Um, so they live in the Dalton now? No, I thought he might have made it this year. Okay. You're right. I mean, it's not like yeah. I'm just. I'm not. I'm, it's not like I'm disappointed, but I just kind of thought that you know, you know, yeah. he might have got some consideration. Your nope. wide re- receivers are Odell Beckham Jr., Antonio Brown, Larry Fitzgerald, AJ Green, DeAndre Hopkins, Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, and Brandon Marshall. Do you have a problem with any one of those? Yeah, yeah, Calvin Johnson shouldn't be in this year. Yeah, Alan yeah. I, I agree. Kevin, this is not Calvin Johnson's year. Calvin Johnson, Johnson is not a pro bowler this year. Right, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's just name recognition there because this is, you know, as dominating as he's been, if they're going he's by dominated. this season, there's no way. So, Calvin Johnson, I can think of two people I would have, uh, actually three people I would have put ahead of him. Um, I would have put definitely Allen Robinson ahead of him. I would have put Demarius Thomas ahead of him, even though he didn't have a great season. He still had 90 inches and 1,100 yards. Um, You could have gone with Mike Evans. Well, maybe not Mike Evans. Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper um, has better numbers than Calvin Johnson. Um, What about uh, uh, Michael Floyd? I'd have went with him. Michael Floyd, he got injured. So he came on kind of late. I don't think he's top 30. But – he had a good season when he was playing, but all right. Mm-hmm. At your tackles, offensive tackles, Jason Peter of the Eagles, Tyron Smith of the Cowboys, 
Joe Staley, 49ers, Joe Thomas, Browns, Andre Whitworth, Bengals, and Trent Williams, Redskins. All of them are solid. At guards, you have David DeCastro, Steelers, Mike Lipati, Cardinals had a great year, Zach Martin, Cowboys, Josh Sitton, Packers, Trey Turner, Panthers, and Marshall Yanda, Ravens. Center, you had Travis Frederick, Cowboys, Ryan Khalil, Panthers, Alex Mack Brown, Mike Pouncey, Dolphins. Why do I got to have four centers? Tight ends. Yeah. Robbie Hilton's being me. So, Two um, for each conference. Yeah. That's true. You that's know true. it's not a conference. That's true. You have tight ends. Um, Tyler Eifert of the Bengals had a great season. Rob Gronkowski. Uh, Travis Kelsey. And Greg Olson. So why you have three in the AFC and one in the NFC, I don't understand that. So, oh, man. But all of them had great Shit, shit Brent Seller did good this year, and, and Zach Ertz too, but I mean, shit. Oh, but you know what, though? Don't they just pick sides? They don't, they don't have conferences anymore, do they? they no, they don't have conferences no more. Right? Yeah, they yeah. Have conference, yeah. yeah, okay. Running backs. Uh you have, what kind of numbers Grunk had this year, man? Because he he been injured a lot. I mean, I ain't saying. Oh, he still oh, has he had, had so had just, a thousand seventy-two yards and eleven touchdowns. Oh, okay, no said. <laughs> yeah, he he probably would have been over over almost over fourteen hundred had he been playing. All right, running backs. Um, I thought this was interesting. You have Jonathan Stewart had a great season with the Panthers. Um, I think he deserves probably to be there. You have Adrian Peterson, of course. This one kind of surprised me, even though he didn't have a bad season. LaShawn McCoy. Should be in there. No business in there. Yeah, never business in there. Okay. You have um, Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley's had a good year. Devontae Freeman had a great year. And Doug Martin, who really – Came came on probably most improved player. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah hey, you know you know who they left off? Who? D'Angelo Williams. D'Angelo Williams. D- he should have got in. Um. Been. Yeah, well, well, who are you gonna take out? I wouldn't have McCoy. I wouldn't. Have, I would have taken and McCoy. McCoy is like one of my favorite running backs, but this year he 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 didn't have that type of year this year. I would have gone with um. I would have probably gone with Chris Ivory, even though he's not a big name. Oh, yeah, I can live with that. I could live with that too. I mean, and you know, I I, you know And I could have gone with Latavius Murray as well, um, as far as yeah. what he did this year. Um, somebody mm-hmm. else who didn't who didn't play as many that many games, um, Thomas Rawls in Seattle had a good season. But uh, matter of fact, uh, what's the name didn't do bad in my opinion? In, in uh, Lamar Miller down in uh, in Miami, yeah, he did pretty well. He averaged almost five yards a carry. Yeah. He doesn't get a lot yeah. of care, but he averaged on. Yeah. I think Chris, Chris Johnson may have been on his way to the Pro Bowl had he not gotten hurt. Yeah. Well, I think he's going to go kiss that goodbye. David Johnson got that now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But LaShawn McCoy, I just didn't really see him making it. No. So. All right, fullbacks, Mike. Mike Tolbert and Marcel Reese can't argue. No, they, still, they still have fullbacks in the NFL. They, yeah, and they, they both still. have them on lock. <laughs> Your defensive ends, um, Ezekiel Ansah, who's had a great season with Detroit uh, with 13 and a half sacks. 
Michael Bennett with Seattle. I really don't think – I mean, Michael Bennett has nine and a half sacks, but I really don't think he had that great of a season, man. He got a lot of stupid penalties in games that I saw. Uh, Chandler Jones for the Patriots, very athletic defensive end, 12 and a half sacks, uh, four forced fumbles, just a beast. Khalil Mack, who just really came on strong with the Raiders, leads the league right now with 15 sacks. J.J. Uh, Watt, of course, is going to make it 13 and a half sacks, which is a down year for him, which is crazy. And uh, Muhammad Wilkerson of the Jets, what do y'all think about him? 12 sacks and him making the Pro Bowl. One of the best defensive linemen in the league. Yeah, he got 12 sacks. He's supposed to be there. Yeah, yeah just Good in his fifth season, uh, his second, his career high, 12 sacks. He had 10 and a half in 2013. So he came on big. Um, I would have, you could have gone with Aaron Donald or Carlos Dunlap, um, or even Jano Atkins. Well, he's a defensive tackle. You could have gone with, uh, maybe Carlos Dunlap of Cincinnati over Michael Bennett. You could have gone with Julius Peppers, who I don't know if he's mm-hmm. classified as an end. Well, Aaron, Aaron Donald is, is on the team, though. And yeah, that's right. He's a defensive tackle. Yeah. So, all right, defensive yeah, tackle. I think, I think uh, Dunlap should have got some, uh, Consideration. Yeah. Defensive tackles, you got Jano Atkins, Aaron Donald, Calais Campbell, uh, Fletcher Cox, who I thought played really well Sunday uh, Sunday night uh, with the Eagles out of Yazoo City. Gerald McCoy of the Bucks and Kawan Short of the Panthers. Not really feel familiar with Kawan Short. Outside linebackers, um, Jamie Collins of the Patriots. Thomas Davis, who had a great year with the Panthers, Tamba Holly and Justin Houston, both of the Chiefs, and Von Miller and Demarcus Ware of the Broncos. Now, Demarcus Ware sat out a lot this year. I guess he may have done all right. I don't know. Anybody? Von Miller had ten sacks. I'm not aware of Demarcus Ware. Let's see. He had six and a half sacks. So they only he go got by no name recognition. Right. Well, they only go they they only go by sacks or they look at tackles too because that's a category. I mean, he only about he only had twenty tackles. He I no, mean he just he, didn't, he only played in nine games. So he with with his base though is Denver had the number one defense all year. So you yeah. can't have a number one defense and got three guys going to the Pro Bowl. You got to put somebody in there. So they got the cornerbacks and Chris Harrison to lead. And then, you know, Vaughn Miller's is one of the best at what he does. Yeah. So, there ain't enough guys. You got to add somebody else. So, that's what that's all about. But, you know, I he shouldn't so. be in there. He yeah. shouldn't because he, he yeah. didn't play. But, I, 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 but see, I, I was just curious because I just noticed that over the years, uh, just tackles is stuff you just generally don't hear about too much. No. Nah. You hear about the sacks. You hear about picks. But you don't really hear about tackles. All right, so inside linebackers, Navarro Bowman of the 49ers, Luke Keekley, who I think is probably going to be defensive player of the year, Clay Matthews of the Packers, and Bobby Wagner of the Seahawks. At cornerbacks, Malcolm Butler of the Patriots, um, who I think, you know, I've seen him, his name come up a couple of times this year. Anybody know? Can gauge his season to see if, does he deserve a Pro Bowl? 
Well, nah, he, I know he, just he, hearing he uh, on the Patriots. So yeah, because yeah, uh, yeah. that's what I heard that um, the w- one thing that was an unofficial stat about him. I don't know about the last couple games, but at least in the uh, first quarter of the season or, or two quarters of the season, he really didn't get toasted more than one time in any game. You know, I yeah. mean that's 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 kind of remarkable to me because usually it's gonna happen a lot of time. I don't care who you are, it's gonna happen. You know. Uh, especially with a you know a guy that's not a known guy like that, you know I didn't really think much of him, you know. But um, but when I heard that, I was like, well, oh, damn, it ain't like they ain't throwing it, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, okay, you've pretty much been locking people up, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, but Malcolm, but a lot of times you can't really gauge cornerbacks by stats. Sometimes you have to watch them. That's why I was asking that y'all check them out. Um, I saw him play a couple of times, and, you know, I think it's great that he had the Super Bowl that he did, and he followed it up with a Pro Bowl. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so, yeah that's, right. that's, that's a strong statement. You have Chris Harris of the Broncos. Um, yeah. I guess he had a pretty solid season. Um, you yeah. have jo- Josh Norman, of course, who's yeah. really just turned things around with um, the expectations of uh, the Panthers. 20 passes defense. Yeah. And um, four interceptions. Uh, Marcus Peters of the Chiefs has had a great season. With 30, passes, yeah, 30 passes defense and seven interceptions. I mean, that's just a remarkable rookie season. Uh, Patrick Peterson. Don't made deserve the to be there. I don't think Patrick Peterson is. Hey. I don't even know. He's the most overrated Tom. guy of all time. I ain't know no better. I think he was white. Well, I tell you, you just, uh, I, I can say, damn right. Just tell us how you really feel. I, I know he got hurt, but I'm saying, man, Pac-Man Jones, this was a Pro Bowl year for him. But I guess he, you know. I can't even, well, Pac-Man had a pretty good year, but I can think of a lot of people, definitely before I get to. Um, yeah, but, uh, but if you're taking, but if you're taking, well, consider, well, if you're taking consideration of the whole team as far as what, what the Bengals were doing defensively before they lost yeah. the game, he was a big reason why on that defense. You know, he was so a big reason why. I think you got to look at Tremaine Johnson of St. Louis, who had six interceptions or seven, six or seven. He's had a good yeah, job at cornerback. House, house in Jacksonville too. Yeah, you know, he had a lot, of, lot of defenses. And even though you I know. don't like him, Brent Brent Grimes didn't have a bad year. Um, he might have given up some big plays, so maybe that's what hurt him. Uh, who else? Let's see. Uh, your boy out of Oakland, um, David Emerson had 26 passes defense. I mean, oh, 26 yeah. is well, a lot. Let him go. That was that was uh that was real big for us because he was our best corner when once yeah you know to let Devon, a round pick go. Yeah, you mentioned Devon House, 50 tackles, 23 passes defense. Stephon Gilmore of the Buffalo Bills, 21 passes defense, three interceptions. Uh, I mean, there's just plenty of people you can go with. Um, even though old Terrence Newman had a pretty good year with the Vikings, 53 tackles, 14 passes defense, and three interceptions. That's pretty good when you're about 78. So, <laughs> and uh, Dominique Rogers cromartie basically is a threat to score every time he gets an interception. Um, yep. He's been all over the field this year, so um, 
They got Daryl Rivas, Darrell Rivas, Richard Sherman, and Akeem Talib, who, I mean, are just, you know, they do lock their people down, so I understand why you would have them in there. Patrick Peterson, but no. Patrick Peterson, I never, see, I never seen a guy that people pull his dick, and every time you see him, he <laughs> on the ground, he getting ran over, he getting toasted. He getting all kind of things. They keep talking Patrick Peterson. He made a few highlights, and he's been living out those highlights. Man, I I never seen a guy get drunk, getting run over. I mean, the guy catching balls on him at will, and they keep talking Patrick Peterson. Shit, a seventy million dollar contract. You need to give sixty million of that back, Jack. You know that's crazy. I mean, right. I just watch him, I watch him, he got talent, but, you know, for turning kicks and all that. But quarterback, right. no, you can name 10 guys better than him. All right, free safety, you have the Honey Badger, who's not going to play. You have Reggie Nelson of the Bengals, who uh, leads the league in interceptions with eight. And then you have um, Earl Thomas of the Seahawks, uh, who's had a pretty solid year. He has four interceptions. Um, I think you could have looked at who else had a good year at free safety. Uh, Dwight Lowry, Indianapolis. Well, Indianapolis sucks. So that's probably why he didn't make it. Uh, Rashad, Rashad Johnson of Arizona, uh, 12 mm-hmm. passes defense, five interceptions, 58 tackles. Um, so, All right, and at strong safety, you have Eric Berry of the Chiefs. Um, don't know if he had a good season or if this is just like a sympathy pick. Wasn't he the one that had cancer? You're right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I don't think he had that great of a season. He had 58 tackles, 10 passes defense, and two interceptions. Um, Charles Wilson, of course, had to make it. Uh, he had a great year. And Cam Chancellor, who he's the one that held out and came back, right? Right. Yep. yep. And Cam Chancellor, I don't even see his numbers, so he's not on the first page here. But uh, strong safety, Marcus Williams of the Jets had six interceptions. He had a good year. Mike Adams, again, of the Colts, so that kind of hurts him, five interceptions. Uh, Rashad Jones of Miami, 124 tackles, 14 passes defense, and five interceptions. He had a good year, along with two touchdowns. Um, and he got left out. So, All right, punters, Sam Cook and John Hecker of the Rams. I have no idea who John Hecker is. Um, I know Sam Cook's been doing it for quite some time, and I, and I like his music. But uh, it looks like John Hecker averages 48.3 yards a kick. So if you're averaging almost 50 yards and you got 38 of them down in the, inside the 20, then you're probably going to make the Pro Bowl. So that's 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 pretty good on his part. And uh, Sam yeah, Cook averages that's defense in itself. Yeah, averages forty-seven point seven yards a kick, and he has twenty-four down inside the twenty. All right. And your kicker, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, your kickers, Dan Bailey, which you know Jason Garrett helped make him because he don't know how to score in the red zone. And Stephen Guskowski of the uh, Guskowski of the Patriots, massive central product. Um, I can see both of them making it. Even though I thought, um, old boy from uh, 
what's his name from Arizona? Castano? Huh? Uh, yeah, he's pretty good. But I I like uh, McMantis is good for Denver. Yeah, uh, Santos from the Seattle's has a good kicker, and Justin Tucker for Baltimore is always good. But um, yeah. New England kicker man, he 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 the best. You know, he got me a lot of fantasy points. I'll tell you that. Yeah, you know? he was a uh, fourth tied for fourth in the league um, as far as percentage. Staskin only missed two field goals this year. Um, Steven Hauska out of Seattle is the one you were talking about. He only missed one. Yeah. And Dan, Dan Bailey of the Cowboys only missed one. Um, and Dan Bailey, one thing I give him credit for, Dan Bailey um, was five for five um, from 50 yards out. He's the only player to hit all of his 50-yard attempts this year. So um, that dude can just kick, man. He can flat out kick. All right, return specialist. Darren Sproles of the Eagles and Tyler Lockett of Seattle. You get no argument with me on either one of those. And your special teamers, Matthew Slater of the Patriots and Justin Bethel of the Cardinals. I don't really know enough about them to make an informed decision. Yeah, Matthew Slater makes it every year. That's Jackie Slater's son. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. cool. They will be coached by Michael Irvin and Jerry Rice. Yeah, I don't care about the little celebrity coaches. So, all right, we got about five minutes left or so before they cut us off. Anybody have? First of all, uh, there are too many bowl games. Uh, I'm not. I'm ignoring every bowl game that comes on, man. I just turn on the TV. Somebody playing in the Duke Bowl or some junk or whatever, and. Um, I can't get into the bowl games and probably won't until New Year's Eve. I don't like the fact that they have so many good bowl games on New Year's Eve because, you know, for guys who are forced to go out with their women or their wives or whatever, it's like, you know, you're missing the best bowl games. You know, the Peach Bowl, Orange Bowl, Cotton Bowl, all of that's on New Year's Eve. So if you're you're going out New Year's Eve, you're going to miss Michigan State, Alabama. You know, and I think that's kind of jacked up. Oh, so, man. Yeah. Better watch it on TV. Better check it out. And then uh, New Year's Day, you got some pretty good games, man. Out, Outback Bowl, Tennessee and Northwestern. Uh, I mean, it's all right. Yeah, the Fiesta Bowl at 1 o'clock with Ohio State and Notre Dame. That's going to be a good one. Michigan and Florida, uh, they're both pretty much evenly matched. I like that one. The Rose Bowl, Stanford and Iowa. If you haven't seen Iowa play, man, they're a pretty good team. The Sugar Bowl is Oklahoma State and Ole Miss. Um, they had a pretty good bowl game a few years ago. The Tax Slayer Bowl, that's on um, the second, with uh, Penn State and Georgia. The Liberty Bowl, Kansas State and Arkansas. TCU and Oregon and the Alamo Bowl should be pretty good. And the Ticket City Cactus Bowl. See, who makes this stuff up? West Virginia and Arizona State. Who wants to see that? Uh, outside of West Virginia and Arizona State. Huh? And I don't need all these stupid bowl games. So. But, all right. Anyone see, um, I think there was some boxing this weekend with Andy Lee. I didn't watch it. Uh, but well, I believe Billy he knocked Joe out Clark. somebody. No, nah, Billy Joe Saunders beat him. Oh, he beat Andy Lee? Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. 
I know uh, Sergey Kovalev and John Pascal on January 30th is the fight I'm looking forward to right now. Uh, and Danny Garcia and the Ghost on the 23rd. That's going to be a fight I'll pay attention to. Yes, yeah. I mean, yeah, right, we want to see the Kovalev and uh, uh, Donna Stevenson when he stopped running, and then Andre Ward going to pick both of them off. All right. But uh, let's see. We're not um, going to start talking some basketball in a little bit. You know, I still haven't really just gotten into basketball yet because I kind of have to wait until football is over. But, uh, I mean, the basketball season has been very interesting so far. Um, I look forward to the uh, – isn't uh, – who's playing Christmas Day? Isn't it uh, the Cavaliers? Aren't they playing Golden State? Oh man, everybody's playing, but yeah, I believe I believe they are, yeah, because they yeah. could have broke the record had they played, you know, had they kept winning, right? Get to the record on Christmas Day, so yeah, I know they're playing. Yeah, so I look forward to that, and uh, maybe I get into the NBA spirit a little bit on Christmas Day and checking <laughs> them out. But uh, all right, we'll go ahead and wrap this thing up. Anybody got anything before I drop off? Yeah, man. Uh, uh, baseball. Um, has Harold Reynolds ever came up for Cooperstown conversation? I don't know. Um, I I only know Harold Reynolds as a commentator because I'm just not a baseball guy. Yeah, me, uh, me either. So I'm not sure. Let's see, Harold Reynolds. What was he a pitcher? I think so. Yeah. And um, I think he played he made, with the Blue Jays. I think. Let's see. Well, he was an all-star at 87 and 88, led the American League in stolen bases, so he wasn't a pitcher. He was 60 in 1987 and triples with 11 in 1988. The only player other than Ricky Henderson to lead the American League in stolen bases during any season in the 80s. Yeah, because Ricky Henderson was winning it every year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. he was tearing that up. <laughs> and um, I don't really see anything as far as his stats. He batted two fifty eight with three hundred and fifty three RBIs and no, I don't think he was a Hall of Famer. It's based on what I'm seeing. They got more information on his broadcasting career than they do on his playing career. So, hey, but um you you got a show tomorrow. And I'm probably not gonna do a show tomorrow. Um planning on running a podcast. If anything changes, I'll text you all and let you know. But I'm probably going to take tomorrow off and make sure I got all my gifts and everything situated for this weekend. Yeah, but man, we 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 need to talk about how they uh all that shit they were saying about Steve Harvey, man. Steve Harvey didn't don't deserve all that, man. You see I'm, some of these posts they was putting up. Yeah, crazy. I mean, and some of them were funny to me. But my thing is. I was more concerned about the women than Steve Harvey, man. I felt like, you know, it was it was messed up how it happened. He made a mistake. I don't think it was that big of a deal. But no one is going to talk about these women for the history of this event because everyone's talking about what happened. And for the woman that won it, it's like it stole her shine. And for the woman that lost, I mean, it just sucks for you because, you know, they took the crown from you. You know, and the first so, thing I thought about, though, and and and, and 
with, with today's stuff, man, and ratings and all that stuff, man, um, I'm just like, I, I, I said, I, I wonder if that stuff was staged. There were people but, who said that. I mean, he's he's already been announced to come back for next year, so they are bringing him back. And so I know it will be a lot of people watching even more 